Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Five in the 505 here on the Rock of Talk, 1600 AM, KIPA, Albuquerque, also heard worldwide at rockoftalk.com. Yes, you are not hearing the voice of Eddie Aragon, the voice you usually hear at this moment every, every afternoon, every weekday afternoon. Mr. Aragon is away in Texas, coming back, I believe, tonight or early tomorrow. Uh, he's uh, hanging out with some family, and I think the boys are with him, having a grand old time. Uh, Eddie gave me a call earlier today. Uh, D. Dowd Muska, the Rock of Talks uh, editor and policy director, and said, hey, you want to fly uh, solo today? And I said, yeah, uh, I've, I've done it before. I, I think I can do it again. Uh, we got ePro on the other side of the glass there. Uh, I still, we're going to figure out today, ladies and gentlemen, if it's producer Eric or ePro, because Dinah calls him ePro, and I, his original name was producer Eric. So I need to figure out exactly uh, what we need to call call uh, our, our, our specialist behind the glass there. So he's going to be kind of keeping an eye on me. The inmates are indeed running the asylum here in the Kiva. Uh, yeah, I gave you the website, rockoftalk.chat. Uh, download the app, watch us on the TV. Uh, that's how we say it in Indiana, the TV, uh, at, with uh, via Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. And of course, most importantly, most importantly, rockoftalk.chat, uh, C-H-A-T, less than 20 cents a day. You get the podcast of our show with notes, all the topics we discuss, links to all of those things. And also, I don't think we we, we talk about this enough. You get the videos to the music. Uh, a lot of our younger listeners don't know some of the music Eddie and I like. And so they really, really enjoy watching uh, watching the videos, listening, listen, listening, watching at the same time. And uh, of course, a lot of original work uh, from me. And of course, you get the Daily Blast uh, at 4 a.m. waiting for you in your inbox. All sorts of uh, information you need to start the day from the weather forecast to today in history, yada, yada, yada. Speaking of weather, uh, I'm going to throw this out there. Eric's going to roll his eyes at me. Hot enough for you out there, folks? It's hot. It, uh, it reminds it, me of Texas right now. I bet Eddie feels right about the same as we are right now. But not as humid. Not as humid. Uh, it is hot. It's hot in Europe. Uh, my sister has been uh, laughing over there uh, in the UK. She lives in the United Kingdom up in the uh, northern territories with the crazy Scottish people that the Romans never were able to conquer. So they built Hadrian's Wall and said, we're just going to leave all the barbarians on that other side. They all, you know, eat their children and paint their faces blue. And, you know, those Scotsmen went on to create people like, you know, Adam Smith. So the Scots did make a fairly significant contribution uh, to Western civilization and humanity as well. So uh, they're whining about it in Europe. I've got a great piece uh, written in the UK about that and about how the bureaucrats over there, they're kind of treating this like covid uh, it's another way of the Britain's bureaucracy of fear to uh, terrify the populace. Here, here's a link from Joe Biden's federal government, climate.gov. Uh, this is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, federal agency. Uh, ultimately, the man in charge there, of course, is the person and whoever happens to be in the White House. And I think that's a uh, blithering jackass from Delaware currently in our this moment in American history. This is from NOAA. If this year's weather is statistically normal, most locations in the contiguous United States will experience their hottest day of the year between July 15th and July 31st. I believe we are, uh, it is the 19th of July. So it's hot in New Mexico. It's hot in the nation. And why that's news, uh, I will never, 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 never understand. Uh, I did a piece on this at recordtalk.chat. I got, it must be, uh, you know, over a month ago. 
when the AP was talking about the heat wave, that first serious heat wave that came through uh, of this year, a, uh, a reporter on the race and ethnicity team was doing a report about weather, and she wrote that excessive heat causes more deaths in the U.S. than other weather-related disasters, including hurricanes, floods, and tornadoes combined. I noted that that was a false distinction, a false choice, if you will, because the opposite of excessive heat is not hurricanes, floods, and tornadoes. The opposite of excessive heat is excessive cold, and more people die from excessive cold. The research is actually quite vast on that. Uh, we really, uh, industrial society, modernity, the last couple hundred years, fossil fuels, I dare say, uh, who knows how many lives have been saved by uh, oil and uh, gas and electricity, electricity heat uh, produced from all sorts of different sources, including, of course, uh, nuclear. Uh, we'll have a little bit on nuclear later in the show. Uh, I'm already blathering, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to set the show up for the rest of the day, the uh, next couple of hours. Uh, we are going to get a little more into the whole uh, weather report. Uh, we, we just cannot, in, in, in Western culture, uh, Europe, North America, Australia, we just have to spread drama queenery about everything. Uh, and when the temperature gets up to normal, more or less temperatures at this time of the year, we still have to have national breakdowns. Uh, got some interesting uh, essays on that. Pensions piece I did last week at rockoftalk.chat. We didn't get to talk about uh, if you're happy that the market is down, and I'll have the numbers on just how down it is this year. And it's down, I think, even more uh, since uh, the doofus in the White House uh, took that oath of office. Uh, you might not want to be happy if you're a populist, a left-wing populist, saying that the rich are taking it in the shorts because you're taking it in the shorts because you're going to be making up for the money that the uh, pension system, the government pension system uh, in New Mexico is losing. That's, of course, our education system and our state and local employees. So I'm going to uh, walk us through the data on that. Kind of scary. Uh, I got a warning about soccer camp. There's a soccer camp underway underway right now, next today. I think it started yesterday continues for a couple days. You do not want to send your kids to this particular uh, soccer camp. Netflix is due to report its earnings, its quarterly earnings today. Usually most companies do this after the market closes. So uh, I, I, they may have already done it. Uh, I've got a, I got a, I got a show to do, so it's going to be tough to, to figure out exactly what's going on with Netflix. You should care about Netflix's great slide because we're business partners with Netflix. If you pay taxes in New Mexico, you are a business partner of Netflix, whether you want to be uh, or not. I'm uh, going to talk a little bit about nuclear hypocrisy in the land of enchantment. We talked about oil and gas hypocrisy yesterday, but uh, also extends to uh, nuclear. Some new data coming out of the Middle East, uh, some data from uh, an Arabic country coinciding with some data from Israel. And when you can get the you know Israelis and the Arabs together on data, it's uh, I think we can trust it. Uh, regarding the uh, vaccination and how kind of worthless it is compared to uh, uh, natural immunity, and um, you know, we just continue to see uh, uh, the public health establishment. Uh, do I want to say lie? Do I want to go uh, e-pro? Should I say lie? Should I say they're liars? I think, at this at this point, yes. I think they deserve that title. Yeah, they're liars. They're not just wrong. They were wrong for the first few weeks and the first few months. At this point, I think they are liars. Uh, great piece on media bias. One of the best uh, sentences I've read uh, this year so far uh, regarding uh, the best example, uh, a juxtaposition of how the media covered one story, but not another, uh, displaying just how biased these people are. Uh, for you MAGA types, you nationalists, you Steve Bannon types, I'm going free trade crazy today. We're going to be talking about the benefits of free trade and the giant mistake we made when we raised tariffs because tariffs are taxes. Uh, interesting piece in Reason Magazine about it, it even thre threatens public safety, at least in, in one case, and an essay that appeared in the New York Post a couple of days ago 
fascinating, uh, walking us through just one man's story, the, fam- the, the story of his family and how complicated the, the, how complicated race is in this country and how it doesn't fall into the simple, you know, right and wrong, black and white, you know, you're a white supremacist or you're woke, uh, looking at his family history and the phenomenon of, of free black people in this country and a, a surprisingly high percentage of, of people back in the unpleasantness in the 19th century uh, of black folks actually were free blacks. They didn't have the right to vote, but women didn't have the right to vote either. Uh, they were not in, in den- you know, in bondage and indentured, uh, servitude for life. Great, great essay on that. And uh, Stacey Abrams, what what racial discussion would be uh, complete without talking about Stacey Abrams? Uh, according to the Star Trek people, apparently president of the world. She appeared as president of the world in a Star Trek episode uh, recently. So we have tons and tons and tons and tons of things to talk about. Uh, no no shortage. Mr. Aragon is not with us. The inmates are running the asylum. But Epro, uh, we're going to do the damnedest best we can do to uh, just give our listeners a good product today, aren't we? So far, so good, in my opinion, my okay. humble opinion. Uh, Eric has permission. He has plenary power to interrupt me at any point. Uh, and he also has uh, my encouragement uh, my encouragement to slap me upside the head when I'm talking too fast. In Connecticut, when I did a lot of guest hosting, they would run down the hallway and bang on the glass and say, slow down. Uh, but we're going to step away for these brief messages. But come right back on The Rock Talk. Circles move too fast for me. My whole Bohemia is the place to be. She gets too hungry for dinner early. Loves the theater, but she never comes late. I never bother with people I hate. Oh, that's old blue eyes. Old blue eyes. Uh, Eddie picked a good one uh, today, Eric. That, that was, is uh, absolutely hot. Who is the lady singing? Any idea? Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> All right. Uh, give it to us. What do we got? Uh, that, that I don't know. Oh, okay. I, that, I, I don't think it's Mia Farrow, right? She wasn't I, known for I'm pretty for sure singing. it's not Mia Farrow, but it is the anniversary back in 66 uh, before I was born and before uh, Eric was born, before a lot of us were born, I imagine. Although... Uh, not all, not everyone in the listening audience. My mother, listening uh, in southern New England, was born a little bit before 1966. Uh, the old blue eyes, Frank Sinatra, Francis Albert Sinatra. I think uh, where's he from? Jersey? Uh, uh, ho, 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 what is it? Ho, ho, Hoboken, Hoboken. The kid from Hoboken uh, married 20-year-old Mia Farrow. Frank was uh, 50 at the time. Uh, it's a number that's going to start to be more and more relevant to my life. Pretty soon. Uh, less, less said about that. Uh, that was back in 1966. Frank married 20-year-old Mia Farrow. The marriage did not last. And of course, people to this day continue to speculate about the uh, paternity of one of Mia's children. And uh, you can go online and look at uh, facial structure 
comparisons between old blue eyes and, and one of her children. I won't really get into that because I'm not Mr. Gossip, but uh, I don't know. People make a pretty convincing case uh, when it comes to that. Uh, moving on back to heat, back to heat. Um, it, I, you know, my sister lives abroad and, and I, I'm aware of the situation going on over there. The British are having their mental breakdown uh, over the heat. And there's a great column by Tim Black saying that Britain's bureaucracy of fear is basically using this hot weather to terrorize the population. Uh, the bureaucrats, according to him, it's their chance to shine to fulfill their purpose, which is to protect us, keep us safe. As a result, we've been subject over the last few days to a stream of helpful tips, tips to keep cool and hyperbolic headlines warning us of the scorching horror to come. I think right now, KOB uh, online, they have an online poll. What are you doing to beat the heat? It's, it's the hottest part of the year. It's hot. That's how, how things work. Um, this is part of what I call drama queen America, but I do think it extends to drama queen planet now, basically. Maybe not in the third world. People are struggling. There's still too many people living on less than a dollar a day. Um, you don't, as the great Chris Rock, the comedian Chris Rock said, uh, do you think anybody's lactose intolerant in Rwanda? Uh, this is a first world problem, uh, terrorizing the population over high temperatures that come every time this year, more or less, uh, except when there's a big volcano like Mount Pinatubo and we have a cool summer. So on and on and on it goes. Uh, this was a study that was released. Let's see. Oh, our friend uh, Bjorn Lomborg, uh, a Scandinavian man who is uh, attacking, constantly attacking the hysteria of the environmental elites, the Davos crowd. Uh, he runs an organization called the Copenhagen Consensus Center. Uh, we should be working on real environmental problems, not climate change, which is the weather. We don't, man doesn't actually control the weather. I know Martin Heinrich thinks we do, but, but we don't. And uh, the Copenhagen consensus uh, is about focusing on pollution where there is actual pollution, uh, helping people get clean water, helping people get better, you know, more nutritious food, that sort of thing. The real problems on our planet, the weather not being uh, one of them. On a worldwide basis, cold deaths vastly outnumber heat deaths. This is not just true for cold countries like Canada, but also warmer countries like the U.S., Spain, and Brazil. Even in India, and I, I, when I was doing the research on this, I was shocked. Cold deaths outnumber heat deaths. In India, I mean, you think India is the hottest place in the world. Cold deaths outnumber heat deaths by seven to one. Globally, every year, about 300,000 deaths are caused by heat, whereas uh, almost 1.7 million people die of cold. I mean, can you imagine living as we do with the wealth that we have, uh, I, I doubt anyone in your in modern times in your family, anyone you know, anyone at work has uh, gotten frostbite or died from cold, but still 1.7 million people die globally from cold. Uh, that's why some of us think having reliable, useful, powerful energy uh, is something uh, something we need and, and uh, something we should be very proud of in, in terms of creating here in New Mexico. That's that's not, um, not what a lot of our uh, elites believe, but uh, we should be learning to tune those people out. People like, oh, I don't know, people are the governor of our state, uh, our con congressional delegation, or at least four out of five members. Um, all right, uh, moving on, 505-266-1600. We are going to be taking your calls today. Uh, please be kind, but I would like at least one of you folks, 505-266-1600. Uh, 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 EPRO is going to really laugh at this one. Every guest host, every time I've guest hosted a show, every time I've listened to a guest host, guest hosting a show, local, national, every caller who calls says, oh, hey, Mr. So-and-so or Missy or Doc or whoever or D. Dowd Muska, oh, you're doing a really, really bang-up job. That's, that's fantastic. Um, there's got to be a history in, in, in all of radio and all broadcasting history. There has to be 
an example of someone who was doing a guest hosting job and did a cruddy job. No one, I've never heard it. Do you know how much talk radio? I mean, radio is, I, I think, the superior medium, frankly. I, I really, uh, and radio in podcast form, either way. The spoken word, theater of the imagination. Someone guest hosting for the regular host must have done a terrible job at least once. I've never heard it. I've listened to millions of hours of radio. All the callers who call in say you're doing a great job. So, uh, Eric, I want at least one caller today to tell me I'm doing a terrible job. So just so I can hear hear it once before I die. I'm I think a, you're going to get that. I'm not a young I, man anymore. I think, I, I think you're going to get that. I think one of those calls is coming. <laughs> oh, I can feel him. Okay. I can feel it. So please tell me I'm doing a, a bad job. But once we get that one caller, we don't need any more. The rest of you can... Um, uh, can be very sycophantic, and that, that would not be a, a problem for me. 505-266-1600, a rare opportunity uh, to, to fire away. Uh, Mr. Aragon coming back uh, tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, ask me anything uh, about the station. I'll give you all the dirty gossip. I'll tell you about, you know, uh, Eric's financial problems, you know, and I'm, I'll, I'll tell, you know, trouble with the law. I know there's been some federal investigations and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, Eddie's got international intrigue. I'll, I'll let you know all about that. One thing I really appreciate from folks uh, reaching out via email. That's the best way to, to talk to me. Uh, Dowd at DowdMuska.com. That's D-O-W-D-M-U-S-K-A. Dowd at DowdMuska.com. I'm not one of the kids. I'm not always texting and I'm not TikToking and Instagramming. Just, you know, reach out the way we did the internet in 1995. One thing I really appreciate is the tips people send, suggestions uh, for topics uh, that are worthy of my uh, investigative and research power. So uh, fire away, fire away, fire away. Uh, there's a tremendous knowledge base out there, and uh, I respect uh, I respect it. People send me a lot of uh, video clips, but also we've got some lab people, some <clears throat> let's just say quiet whistleblowers who you know might have their th jobs threatened if we if we said who they were. Uh, we got some great folks, and you know whatever whatever your perspective, fire away, fire away, five zero five two six six sixteen hundred. If you would like to call in today, okay. Uh, moving on, uh, stock market, stock market, stock market. Not doing very well. Uh, in fact, doing very, very poorly. Year to date, we are down from 36.5. This is the Dow, of course, to 31.8. So yes, the market had a good day today, a pretty strong day, but overall, uh, it has been down spectacularly. And let me see, when Joey when Joey took over, let's see, that was January, and eh, it was about 30,009. Yeah, we're, we're, we're giving back just about all the gains that we've made. Eh, almost all of them. That's that's great. Good Good performance there. So how does this affect you if you are not in the market? Um, as many of you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in Virgin Galactic. I got my one share, bought it at 16.5. I think it's down to about seven bucks now, but I'm, I'm riding this rocket all the way to my uh, financial security in retirement. Okay, if you're a Bernie bro, if you are a Bernie bro, and you can read this piece online at rockathawk.chat, but if you want to bust that paywall, there's only one way to do it. You got to subscribe, folks, 20 cents a day. Uh, cancel your, you know, cut the cord. I did a couple of years ago. Cancel your newspaper subscriptions. Sign up. Uh, there's a lot of people on Substack. That's the, the master platform we're on. A lot of people doing really original, uncensored stuff on the Substack platform. And that is uh, how we accessed, how we created, uh, well, actually, Eddie created rockoftalk.chat and kind of handed it over to me. And uh, that's the best way to connect with everything that is broadcast on the Rock of Talk. Okay. We owe a lot of money. It's called uh, unfunded liability for the pension system. The people in government in New Mexico, not all, but, you know, vast majority, get what's called a defined benefit pension. So when they retire and those terms of retirement, the vesting terms are rather generous. Uh, it, it breaks down depending on when you join and what your job is and that kind of thing. 
they're they're very generous terms. They're they're extremely extremely uh, generous terms. In fact, uh, the state itself, this is a legislative uh, uh, report, said that um, when you factor in the combination of social security eligibility, a high pension multiplier, a compounding cola cost of living adjustment, and the generous employer contribution. Uh, results in New Mexico providing among the richest retirement benefits in the nation. Yeah, richest. But we're not really paying as much as we should be paying into the system, are we? We owe something like $76 billion when you have, when it's a realistic assessment made uh, of our unfunded liabilities that we have not paid for, that we are going to be paying out to retired public servants. Per capita, our ranking is 43rd worst, worst in the nation. And that liability, $76 billion as a percent of gross state product, we rank 49th. Only Mississippi uh, has, is in more pension debt than the land of enchantment. So uh, given the fact that a significant chunk uh, of that pension treasure is invested in equities that are traded on Wall Street, it's not good news for the taxpayers of New Mexico when Wall Street takes a dive. So Bernie bros, I know you want to sock it to the rich. Uh, you want to destroy their portfolios, but you may end up paying for this because of our wildly, wildly, wildly generous giveaways to public servant retirees. This is one of my favorite topics, ladies and gentlemen. And um, gotta do something about it. Can't keep giving away the store like we've been. Can't keep it up, folks. Can't, can't, can't do it. Gonna step away and we're gonna come right back here on the Rock of Talk. Heading out to San Francisco For the Labor Day weekend show I got my hush puppies on I guess I never was meant for glitter rock and roll And honey, I didn't know That I'd be missing you so Come Monday, it'll be alright Come Monday, I'll be holding you tight. I spent four lonely days in the brown LA haze, and I just want you back by my side. Ooh, little Jimmy Buffett there. I, I, I think uh, Mr. Aragon arranged for us. Uh, apropos of a uh, an event in his life, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't mean to insult Mr. Buffett. Uh, a lot of people in entertainment have uh, <clears throat> quite a lot of romance. Uh, he married beauty queen Margie Washeshek. Uh, she was Miss USS Alabama in 1967. They got married two years later. Uh, the union lasted only a mere uh, two years, uh, which is so 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 often uh, the case. Uh, just wasn't wasn't built to last. He's <laughs> a lot like his uh, his buddy Frank Sinatra there too. Huh? Frank Frank married? had a few. He, he had a few. Uh, there was I think what Nancy was the first. Uh, Ava Ava was the second. Uh, and then Mia was the third, and uh, the fourth was that woman who I think stayed with him all the way to the end. They actually, di- I don't know if you know this, E-Pro, they dimmed the lights on the Las Vegas Strip for, I don't know, like full two minutes or something in the late 90s when, when Francis Albert died. And it was the only time the lights on the Strip had ever been dimmed. No it kidding. Just, no, I don't remember that. It was, uh, it was uh, iconic, iconic, iconic moment. Uh, uh, before we move on, uh, we were talking stocks. Uh, we were talking the, the, the overall stock market. Nobody, and it, its impact on you, you, Mr. and Mrs. Taxpayer, 
This is a big one. Uh, it would be hard to find a stock that's really suffered more in recent months than Netflix. And we are business partners with Netflix. Of course, they purchased, Eddie and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. They did purchase Albuquerque Studios for uh, a very, very tiny, tiny, tiny sum, uh, much less than uh, people thought originally that it was uh, originally valued at. Uh, the earnings report is coming out today. It may have already come out. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm on the air. Uh, they are having a terrible year, according to CNN. Uh, you know me, Mr. Corporate Media. I'm reading from a, a CNN article. Uh, in April, the company reported that it had lost subscribers in the first quarter of 2022, the first time that had happened uh, in any quarter for more than a decade. The stock burst into flames. It's down 70% so far this year. I'd have to check, but I don't even know if Virgin Galactic is down 70% this year. Uh, wiping up billions of dollars in market value. Uh, uh, reminder, uh, we, we, should, we should seize this moment. Uh, the the uh, Milton Friedman line, uh, the, the leftists always attacking capitalism and, and, uh, and freedom, economic freedom as the profit system. The profit system, the profit system, it's, it's dehumanizing, it's awful. It's a profit and loss system, morons. It is a profit and loss system, morons. It's not all profit. Hate to break it to you. Uh, if you were holding on to your Netflix shares, oh boy, boy, howdy, did you get hammered uh, in recent months. There have been hundreds of layoffs. I had a piece at rockoftalk.chat. Say, uh, you know, rockoftalk.chat would be a great thing for you to subscribe to. Less than 20 cents a day. Just go to rockoftalk.chat. I did a piece on Netflix's operations here in Albuquerque and all the wonderful things that were going to happen. I, I think I couldn't find a single person, a position being hired in Albuquerque. And in fact, they didn't even have the Albuquerque location listed on their global locations. They had Mexico City and and uh, Prague and I mean, just everywhere, the, the Philippines, you know, just they, everywhere, just a, a couple dozen locations. Albuquerque was supposed to be one of their marquee places and they didn't have it listed on their website and there were no jobs posted on their website. I found that kind of funny. I can't say I know what's going on internally, but I just found that kind of funny. All right, so earnings report today for Netflix, a, a company that is incredibly, uh, being incredibly, incredibly challenged right now. And I think, you know, frankly, that, that line, get woke, go broke. Uh, there have been many woke entertainment products. God knows the Marvel universe has become completely woke, uh, and they continue to do very well. There have been some horrifically bad woke entertainment products that uh, have suffered uh, immensely. So I can't say that Netflix is struggling because it went woke, but I, I got to believe there's a fair number of people who are moderate to conservative who are offended by so much of what they're doing, the social agenda, the wokeness, the fact that they signed a deal with uh, Barack Obama. Pretty, uh, pretty, pretty vile. I don't think Netflix for balance was going to make a deal with the Trump family to do some documentaries for Netflix. That was never really going to happen. I, I suspect not. So anyway, uh, I will check things out tonight and um, check out the presentation. They'll, the corporations post their earnings presentations online and I will report back to everyone tomorrow about where Netflix stands. Uh, another loss, another quarter loss. Uh, who knows? There's a heck of a competition out there in the streaming sphere a heck of a lot and of course if we're entering a recession tough times boy <sighs> killing a couple of your streaming accounts or all of your streaming accounts that's a way to make save a little money every month and uh, we're going to find out soon soon enough about netflix uh, another company new mexico taxpayers should not be yoked to via force but don't start me uh, on that topic ladies and gentlemen moving on to something that is equally distasteful 
to uh, the editor and policy director for the Rock of Talk, uh, D. Dowd Muska. That's me, folks. You can reach me at Dowd at DowdMuska.com if you want to yell at me or encourage me or just send me uh, pictures of beautiful New Mexico sunsets because I like those too. The New Mexico United, uh, not, not, we're not fans here at the Rock of Talk, I think I can safely say. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't know much about soccer. I don't follow sports all that closely. Uh, I do follow politics and policy and this uh, entity that was begging for a taxpayer-funded stadium not too long ago. Extremely woke. Uh, they posted, uh, what, back during, in the, in the weeks immediately after the death of St. George of Fentanyl, uh, they posted the BLM was the activist toolkit, uh, even posted the contact information for a legislator who is a, an attorney. God, can, can you believe that? A state legislator is an attorney. And a lawyer is, is an elected official. I that's the first I've ever heard of that. Um, they, yeah, they, they went all woke on uh, St. George of Fentanyl and they've been very active in the pride movement, uh, which again, you know, I'm a libertarian. I do whatever you want behind your closed doors, but the idea that you should be normalizing drag queen story hour and all of this nonsense, uh, I, I don't, I don't want anything to do with those companies. What, what the employees of those companies do, what the executives of those companies do, what the customers of those companies do, it's your own damn business but i am not on board with this agenda and again you're talking to the heathen the heathen atheist here it's obvious that these people are pushing an agenda that goes much beyond what they claim to be pushing and there's a lot of uh what do we call them normies in the, on the dark web uh uh non npcs non-player characters people who just go along with whatever the current thing is um and they're being led down this path of uh I think it's a very unwise direction anyway moving on uh, to this topic at hand soccer camp they have a soccer camp. It's underway right now for its second year. And according to the academy director of the New Mexico United Elite uh, Level Youth Summer Camp, the academy director said, we take pride, pride, kind of funny, uh, in providing a new learning opportunity for the players. I will be there coaching and consider myself providing the highest level in youth soccer available in the country uh, or continent. Uh, the coaches will be current New Mexico United first team coaches and players the camp will be held for three days i guess today is day two for ages 13 to 17 that's a prime age group for getting kids involved in uh, sexual politics environmentalism bernie level uh, uh economic marxism resentment uh, in income inequality nonsense etc 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 uh it breaks my heart when i see a new mexico united sticker on a car when i'm driving around the uh the albuquerque metro area it breaks my heart when i go to a restaurant and i see the New Mexico United flag hanging there. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of boycotts, but boy, I really wish people would wake up uh, and realize that this is this is a destructive force, a destructive entity. The guy who owns it, uh, Trevisani, is a big buddy with the governor, our far, far left, kook left uh, governor, um, who even got dinged by the Los Angeles Times a couple of days ago in a column. I, I'm surprised anyone in California even knows that New Mexico is part of the United States. Yeah, but, wait a minute. I have to ask what what was the what was the ding? What did uh, it was about Ron Ketty's position on abortion, contrasting that with her super extreme position on abortion. And I, I the LA Times has a paywall, and there's a lot of publications. If I subscribed to every publication I wanted to, I wouldn't be able to you know be broken a day. Um, you know, not that I'm a fan of the LA Times, but they have some interesting coverage, particularly of the entertainment industry that impacts New Mexico, because we're always handing checks to the entertainment industry. I'd never heard of this columnist before uh, EPRO, but he was really dinging the governor and saying, if she wants to take this crazy extreme position, uh, no law, no regulation up to the moment of birth, uh, and she thinks she's going to ride that to political success, she's barking up the wrong tree. Uh, and it was, so it was an interesting column. I 
I got to it uh, this morning and the paywall wasn't up. I think they give you a limited number of access uh, a month. So I'll send it your way, uh, ePro, because I got his I got his email address. All right. Yeah, Eric's I'm actually a, I'm, a subscriber. I'm a proud new he's subscriber. A, he's a proud, I just refreshed my subscription. After what, at least half a year of, of being on the dole? Yeah, you, you gave <laughs> me you gave me six months free this year. <laughs> I did. There was a free time of last year sometime when we were locked down. Yes. And yes. yeah, I, I just made the well, big you know, it, and wanted we, to support Eric, we had out. to we had to go uh, and I think this is the case with all paid product. If you're if you're if you're giving away the majority of it, you've got 10% of people funding all the rest of it. So we Eddie and I closed the paywall late last year um and then, you know, you know like Nat and Jaybird get get obviously people associated with with the, the operation here don't have to pay for it and I'm frankly touched and honored that Eric actually sent a little money my way um and if he had known that I would have extended it forever you know I think it would have been a different story but I had a feeling uh, you might but uh, <laughs> I want to support you you know it's uh of course of course of course it's, uh, uh, but it got to the point where and, and it's people aren't used to paying for content you know people my, my parents, we didn't have cable growing up. They refused to pay for television. It's just a, a cultural thing. And we're making this shift now to paid content because people like me, people like Eddie, aren't permitted to have voices on op-ed pages that, and yeah. newspapers. You know, That's we have the number one reason. Very there's... limited options. And I'm not trying to sound like a whiner because we do have the Substack platform. And our our, our corner of Substack is rockoftalk.chat. Uh, Eddie built that website, signed us all, signed, you know, signed it up created it, handed it over to me, and I'm the curator and, and uh, probably the sole contributor to it. So rockoftalk.chat, 20 cents a day. Join ePro, folks. Become a subscriber. We're coming back. I hope you're enjoying the scenery. I know that it's pretty up there. We can go hiking on Tuesday. With you, I'd walk anywhere. Nibbling on sponge cake, watching the sun bake. All of those tourists covered with oil, strumming my six string. On my front porch swing, smell of shrimp there beginning to boil. Wasting away again in Margarita Searching for my lost sugar song. Oh, there it is. That's my favorite line, Epro. Some people claim that there's a woman to blame. And I think you don't have to look far when you see a man who's fallen on a hard time. Right, yeah. Most of the time there is. It's usually a woman to blame. Or or I guess I would say it's usually a, the man's inability to deal with the uh, situation. Involved. It could be that too, yes, yeah. Yes, I've been uh, that man. Those of us in the MGTOW movement, the MGTOW, men going their own way, uh, we have liberated ourselves from uh, seeking female validation. We are off on other projects. Uh, we have not made our lives all about seeking female validation because down that path leads only destruction, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, with the caveat, as always, and all, all men in the MGTOW movement say the same thing. If you can find a traditional, particularly heartland, rural America, uh, third world, traditional societies where they still respect the, the partnership between male and female and this stupid androgynous 
50-50 nonsense that, that the West uh, global homo, as they say, has, has embraced, the homogeniza- homogenization of culture and policy. Uh, if you can find that, uh, if you can find her, she might be out there. We call them unicorns. They might be out there. Uh, there's the Mennonite community. There's the Hutterite community up in, up in Canada, uh, uh, East Asia. There's a lot of, a lot of traditionally societies in East Asia. They're uh, much more, you know, gender specific and they believe much more in honoring their ancestors. You know, they still retain a lot of that culture, but Europe, North America, uh, Australia, uh, that's, uh, not working out. And the saddest thing really is that it, it doesn't work out for women either. If you look at, there was a study done, uh, oh boy, it was, uh, might be a decade old at this point, uh, trying to examine female unhappiness. If you look at the polling data, women, as they've been more and more liberated, as they become more and more manlike, and men have become much more soy boys, women are getting more and more miserable. So this wonderful feminist world that they've created. Again, I'm not a social conservative. I'm a libertarian. I just look at the data, folks. I just look at the data. And uh, it's about complementing each other and partnering with each other. I have uh, my sister in Scotland uh, has the homemaker role. Uh, Her husband is the breadwinner. They have, uh, they've been married this month. They have been married uh, uh, 20, 20, 20, are they, oh my God, 92, 2002, 2012. That they have been this month, this July, they have been married 30 years. My sister has pursued, well, let's just say one of my sisters. We don't need to talk about the other one. Uh, My Scotland sister has pursued a much more traditional arrangement. And it's just, it just works better. Okay. It just works better. The data bear that out. Okay. And so don't come after me for being a MGTOW. The only reason men are MGTOW in, in the first world or because society's gone completely to hell. And when women say, oh yeah, men are part of the problem. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of terrible men out there. I, you know, look at the data, look at the data on substance abuse and suicide and loneliness and people uh, living via social media or, or men living in, in video game world. I mean, we are destroying our lives, not living the way people used to live in the past. If people from a hundred years ago came forward and saw the medicine we have and the transportation systems we have, and air conditioning, they would be, st- they would say everyone is, must be deliriously happy all the time, running around, just, uh, you know, hugging and kissing each other and skipping and thanking a God or multiple gods for how good they have it. Uh, we dishonor the memory of the people who sacrificed to get us here. And no matter who you are, people sacrificed to get you here uh, by turning inward and, and, and embracing all sorts of kooky ideologies, destructive uh, patterns, uh, get outside, get walking, take a nature bath, uh, be with animals. Uh, for some people, it's dogs. For some people, it's cats. Other people, in Corrales, where I am on a daily basis, it's horses. Uh, whatever. Some people love lizards and snakes. My niece, my my beloved New Mexico niece, who just moved with her parents up to Colorado. Snakes are her biggest thing. She loves she loves snakes. I took her to the pet store one time, and she had to have had to hold the the albino baby boa constrictor, and they let her hold it. And I was off EPRO on the other side of the store because literally I'm such a fraidy cat when it comes to snakes. I can't even look at them. I don't, I can talk on the radio. I can write, I can do lots of things. Uh, but, um, yeah, snakes, not, not a good time with, for bull snakes in, in the bosque right now. Actually, I don't have to really get into that. Saw a big, saw a big boy the other night when I was walking, walking the rivers. All right. Uh, I'm all over the map folks. We are almost done with the first hour here at the Kiva K I V a Albuquerque, New Mexico, 1600 AM. Thanks for sticking with us. 
with the inmates running the asylum. Mr. Aragon is scheduled to reappear tomorrow. Uh, for now, you've got uh, me for another couple of hours. The editor and policy director, Eddie gave me that title. He just one day he brought in a whole bunch of uh, business cards, boxes of business cards and threw them at me. And he said, just check, read, read what your title is. I, I didn't even know what my title was until, until Eddie gave it to me. Eddie's an interesting guy. Uh, many, many stories I could tell about Eddie Aragon. I don't know if you know this, Eric, but uh, we're going to be meeting with Harrison Schmidt on Thursday. I have no details. I've just gotten little dribs and drabs via a text uh, on how much fun I'm going to have on Thursday. I think he said between 11 and 2. Uh, of course, Harrison Schmidt, one of the uh, moonwalkers, literal moonwalkers, uh, former, former U.S. senator from the great state of New Mexico, actually met Mr. Schmidt, or it might be Dr. Schmidt if he's a PhD in geologist, the only scientist, okay, can you say this about meeting someone who's the only human being who has done, who has the status that Harrison Schmidt has? All the other, all the other astronauts who walked on the moon were flyboys. You know, they were test pilots and, and uh, uh, you know, guys with ice water in their veins. You know, Gordo Cooper falls asleep on the top of the Mercury capsule when they fire him off because there was a delay and the guy's so calm, he just falls asleep, you know. Uh, you know, Jim Lovell, you know, Guys like that. Uh, Mr. Schmidt is a geologist. He's the only scientist who ever walked on the moon, the only professional scientist. Uh, he was not a flyboy, you know, pi test pilot out at Edwards. He was a geologist. And was it that was that the last moon mission? That was mission? the last mission in December of 72. They finally uh, got one up on the last uh, mission. And, and when I and when I uh, when I tell young people how old Uncle Didi is, I said, I say I'm, I was actually alive when men walked on the moon. That's how old I am. And that's how terrifying it is because I was born a few months before then. Um, so think about Harrison Schmidt's status as the only human being on Earth. He's not there's there's no competition. He's the only professional scientist to have walked on the moon. I'm not trying to belittle the, the other astronauts who walked on the moon because they're certainly accomplished in their own right in, in, in you know, test flying and engineering and aerospace design and all that kind of stuff. But to be the only scientist to have ever walked on the moon, did, does he go to these conferences and just, just laugh at all the other scientists? And just say, you're all nothing. You're nothing. I'm Harrison Smith. I'm the only scientist who have ever walked on the moon. Just get out of my way. Does, does the crowd, when he's walking down, you know, when he's walking from one breakout session to another, or the, you know, it's lunchtime or something, does, does the conference just part ways, you know, in some sort of like, Game of Thrones type thing, and you know they all just they all just bow and bend the knee to Harrison Schmidt. Uh, I'm, I sound sarcastic, but I'm really not. I mean, can you imagine being the only person on this eight billion people on this planet, and you're the only person who can say I'm the only professional scientist to ever have walked on our natural satellite? So uh, something Eddie has told me very little about this, but it's happening on Thursday apparently, and I'm gonna have to um, shave, uh, maybe get a nice dress shirt out of the closet or from the floor of of the closet. Uh, and go off and and, and see uh, one of our one of our last, frankly, uh, uh, alive astronauts who've walked on the moon because we have lost, I think, a majority of them at this point. I think we're really only down to maybe four or five uh, left, and even that might be too much. Somebody will, will text in what the what the right number is. So looking forward to that, but I just wish I had more details. Eddie gives you a little bit of the picture, and and then you sort of have to flesh out the rest of it from him because Eddie's got seventeen balls he's juggling at any, any given time. So uh, he's a small businessman. He's a media personality. He's involved in politics. He's, he's got all that stuff going on. So I'll be heading off to, uh, to see Mr. Schmidt uh, soon. So the first hours in the can, we talked about weather. We talked about the stock market. Uh, I'm going to get in the, for, uh, in, the, in the opening segment of the second hour, folks, we're going to talk a little, about, little bit about nuclear hypocrisy in New Mexico. And I'm going to be doing some serious Michelle Lujan Grisham bashing so if you hate michelle you want to hang around for the first segment because it's going to be 
fun, fun, fun. I uh, got some Rona stuff, uh, a new uh, article in the New England Journal of Medicine, peer-reviewed journal. Hey, Dowd, how comment. about a caller to close out the hour? Hey, you know, we got a few minutes left. We got a caller. Uh, let's uh, let's fire away, EPRO. <laughs> caller, you're in the Kiva with Dowd and Eric. Hello. Caller, go ahead. Hi, I'm looking for the property owner of 3804 Santa Anita Road. Wow. Uh, I wish we could help you. I'm sorry you have a wrong number. Do you have any opinion on Michelle Lujan Grisham? Okay. Hello? Oh. That kind of matches my opinion, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what did mom, mom say growing up? If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at at all, all right. uh, yeah, we got uh, we talk about media bias in the next hour. Uh, free trade, so all you all you uh, Steve Bannon types who hate free trade, you can come at me real, real hard. Uh, that'll be fun, and just a bunch of other sort of very various silly stuff, and a very serious thing. Looking at American history, a fascinating essay. Uh, I mentioned this uh, earlier. Uh, My family history shows I've been lied to about slavery in America by Dennis Richmond Jr. Fascinating piece that ran a couple days ago in the uh, New York Post. So we have got loads and loads and loads of stuff. Uh, again, reach out to us, folks, uh, 505-266-1600. You can contact me directly, dowd at dowdmuska.com. But more than anything else, folks, and this is something you got to do, and you got to do it today, go to www.rockoftalk.chat, C-H-A-T, and subscribe. Less than 20 cents a day. Help a brother out, right, Epro? Help a brother out. Help him out. Oh, my gosh. What do you want to do? Read the Albuquerque <laughs> Urinal? Oh, you want to listen no, to no, no. Lob Clark all day? Come on. Give us a break, people. We know you need this. You need the rock of talking. We need you. But there's booze in the blender. And soon it will render. That frozen concoction that helps me hang on. Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. 505 in the 505. Always wanted to say that. Yes. <laughs> wow, the ego's getting out of control. Somebody's got to knock me off my pedestal. Uh, here at the Rock of Talk, 1600 AM in the great city of Albuquerque. I guess I would say once great city of Albuquerque. Maybe we can make it great again by getting rid of our current mayor and getting some better political leadership. And some better clergy members and some better members of the business community. Um, yeah. Uh, and a better um, prosecutor. Well, I just, you know, that, we could go on that for, for, for days and weeks and months. Uh, we are heard worldwide, if you're not listening locally over the airwaves, folks, at rockoftalk.com. You're going to want to download that app. And if you like watching alternative television mechanisms, uh, things like Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, we are, of course, available on that. And as always... Subscribe less than 20 cents. I think, I think Eric, it's 19.6 cents a day. Rock of talk dot chat. Mr. Aragon, the uh, <clears throat> regular host of uh, this afternoon's program, will be uh, rejoining us, of course, coming back to his native land of New Mexico tomorrow. Uh, for the time being, it's the editor and policy director, the Dowd Muska, just a, just a dude, just a guy, you know, white guy from the East Coast, you know, um, came to the Southwest, loves the weather. Fascinating history, culture, some damn good food out here. Never have to shovel blizzards so far in my time in the American Southwest. It's, I, I really help. enjoy that quite a lot, actually. Uh, I am sitting in for uh, Eddie, who offered me the uh, the three hours today. 
he's off having, sounds like he's having some good, good times with the family over there in the great state of Texas. Oh, Texas. Oh, why can't New Mexico learn anything from Texas? You, you could do, you could retain the essential New Mexico-ness of New Mexico, the culture and the history, the, the scenic vistas, the wonderful weather, and just adopt some of the policy reforms and you could have such a better state. Keep the good stuff, get rid of the bad stuff, embrace better policies, and put this state into a supercharged status. And um, we, we don't see a lot of desire uh, on the part of people to do that. So uh, I'm here in New Mexico, just living my life, taking care of my dogs, enjoying the weather. A little hot for me, you know, a little hot. It says 102 right now here on the uh, on the weather monitor. A little hot, but I can't I can't complain. It's, it's dry heat. Hope you are surviving. Now, you might want to go online for that KOB survey. Uh, how are you beating the heat? Uh, real, real hard-hitting journalism from KOB. Uh, you might want to put in, you know, popsicles or uh, you know, cranking up the AC. You know, real, real hard-hitting stuff that really gets to the core of our state's troubles uh, and proposes solutions uh, to, to solve some of our most vexing issues. KOB right on top of it. That's why they all went to J School over there, there at KOB. I, I have no, no doubt. One thing you are sure to not hear from the mainstream media uh, in the state of New Mexico or Greater Albuquerque is the nuclear hypocrisy of our elites, okay? The nuclear hypocrisy of our elites. One of the things I do on a daily basis, and this is dozens and dozens of websites, I check what the government puts out in terms of propaganda, press releases, public information office, that sort of stuff. And really the university system, which is eh, more of an more, more of a jobs program than, than an education institution in, in New Mexico, our, our higher education system, I think, uh, over 70 points of physical contact in, in a state with only 2 million people, uh, over 70 points, the branch, branch campuses, the Twig campuses. Uh, it's just basically a jobs program. But anyway, UNM has a very active <clears throat> public relations shop. The UNM newsroom put this out, and I guess this was dated yesterday. Uh, UNM, for anyone listening outside of our broadcasting area, that would be the University of New Mexico. UNM's American Nuclear Society student chapter receives national award. Now, this is quite, quite an interesting thing. The American Nuclear Society is the premier organization for those that embrace the nuclear sciences, I'm, I'm reading from their website, and technologies for their vital contributions to improving people's lives and preserving the planet. Uh, membership to the society, the ANS, open to all uh, and consists of individuals from all walks of life, including engineers, doctors, students, educators, scientists, soldiers, advocates, government employees, and others. So what's going on with this award? The student section of the ANS, American Nuclear Society at UNM, has been awarded the 2022 Samuel Glastone Award, which is given annually to outstanding student chapters. The UNM chapter tied with the Missouri University of Science and Technology to receive third place for the award. It honors, quote, uh, accomplishments in uh, the most notable achievements in public service and the advancement of nuclear engineering. And of course, New Mexico with a minority baseball uh, uh, team, a uh, minor league, not minority, minor league baseball team named the Isotopes, <clears throat> for those of you who may not know much about New Mexico history, uh, has always been, since the Oppenheimer days, the most pro-nuclear place in America. Uh, a lot of nuclear studying, a lot of nuclear experimentation, uh, two national labs here, of course, and uh, more associated with weapons than with than with the civil program. But what's interesting is that Sandia, uh, just, I don't know, 20 or 30 feet away from me across the road down there, uh, is uh, a, a major player when it comes to the handling of spent nuclear fuel. 
uh, our nation's spent nuclear fuel policy. And Sandia does all sorts of uh, work on that and has done some pretty damn interesting work. Now, spent nuclear fuel is not Homer Simpson, right? So get Homer out of your mind. Spent nuclear fuel, uh, often called waste, improperly called waste. It's spent nuclear fuel. It's not green. It's not oozy and, 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 and icky and stinky and glowing. All it is is ceramic little pellets. I think the nuclear people tell me it's uh, akin to the the, t- the pencil eraser on you know on the, on the tip of a of a pencil, uh, strung together. That's mostly made of uranium with some other metals in there, uh, encased in tubes. All those tubes, long tubes, are bundled together into what are called assemblies. Uh, the assemblies are then arranged with other assemblies and put into a reactor. Makes things very hot. Heats up the water, and the water becomes steam. The steam is used to turn the turbine which produces electricity. And uh, in July, in July 2022, when it's 102 degrees, I think we all should be appreciative of electricity. I know we're not supposed to be, but I, I'm, I'm unapologetic. And I, I crank that AC every summer. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I had to call up PNM. I don't know if you have this where you live, Eric. PNM has some sort of, I think they called it throttling. They have something where in, in midday, they, they, they reduce the effectiveness of your air conditioner. My, my apartment complex sent us all emails a couple summers ago because I was sitting at my desk doing work and I had, of course, the AC cranked as I always do because I am unapologetically pro-AC and pro-electricity and pro-energy and pro-first world living conditions. A lot of people died so that we could have the luxuries we have. And now we want to go back. I don't understand that. But anyway, they said, oh, we've, we voluntarily enrolled all of our all of our uh, uh, lessees in in uh, in this program, so you can save uh, money and uh, you know help fight climate change. And of course, for those of us who work at home, and that's a significant number of people, uh, cranking down the AC at midday in the American Southwest is stupid. So I called up uh, PNM and said, "Whatever that program is, get me the hell out of it." I also have one of those smart meters. That's I don't know if it's Nest. And uh, the apartment complex had something they were mani- they were manipulating that somehow. And I went online to online video, and apparently you weren't you you couldn't turn this feature off, but you could hack it somehow by doing something else. So trust me, my apartment is set at seventy degrees, and I have the overhead fan on too. Uh, the the cooler, the better. I don't care. Uh, I'm proud to be what I am and uh, enjoy every minute of it, and just keep fracking and keep drilling, baby, drill. Anyway, back to nuclear. It still produces 20% of our electricity. Uh, the uh, environmental looms have done everything they can to destroy the industry. It's still there. One out of four electrons that you consume as an American uh, come from nuclear power plants. But spent fuel means literally spent fuel. It can no longer profitably sustain that kind of chain reaction to keep the water hot enough to turn the turbine to produce electricity for you. So we have spent nuclear fuel piling up all over the country. The federal government in the 80s, this was not a good decision by the Reagan administration, one of the, the, the failures of the Reagan administration, uh, was to, uh, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of the whole dang thing. And you know what? We'll put it 100 miles north of Las Vegas inside of a little mound called Yucca Mountain. I've been to the top of Yucca Mountain. I had a tour there by the Department of Energy many years ago. It's not much of a mountain. It's more like a mound. Um, that was the plan. We're just going to stick it under the mountain there, and we're going to take care of it, even though it's a utilities, you know, profit-making entities. You don't have to take care of this. We're going we're gonna to put a little assess- assessment on every uh, electron we sell, and it's going to put great money, and we're going to spend that money by taking care of our spent nuclear fuel underneath this uh, big chunk of land north of Las Vegas. And I'm going to tell you the rest of this story, folks, and it's a fascinating one when we come back. Swing into the music. Swing into the music. Oh, 
Mr. Lefty Frizzell for our uh, country fans out there. Lefty uh, was uh, a really amazing voice. Uh, I've always been a fan of Lefty since I started getting involved in, uh, in country music. Uh, his uh, That was the selection by our, our absent host, Mr. Aragon. I believe Lefty's greatest, though, is uh, Always Late With Your Kisses. Uh, Lefty, apparently, from what I read, not a nice guy. Maybe had a little bit of a problem with the bottle. Passed away on this date in 1975 at a very, very young, even back then, 47, and uh, after years of alcohol abuse. But what a talent, what a talent, what a talent. I have a suspicion, E-Pro, that Lefty Frizzell did not go to college. That is my determinant for whether you're a country Western singer or not. You cannot be a country singer and have a college degree. It's hard to learn that kind of soul in college. Country music, and I hate to break it to our woke community, uh, I know you think that only black folks in this country have had, uh, had it hard, and I would never disagree that uh, black folks in this country have had it hard. A heck of a lot of white people, not blue bloods in Westchester County, New York, and Fairfield County, Connecticut, but a heck of a lot of white people have had it really rough, and they've worked in places like sawmills, and they've been sharecroppers, and they've watched as the, the, the diphtheria took one of their family members. You know, they, they no birth control back in the day. Lots of white people in this country have suffered, and country music is the music for white people who were not exactly prosperous to take nothing away from the suffering of other groups in America to take nothing away. But if you think that every white person in American history was a blue blood, okay. Who had a trust fund who came in on the Mayflower, you know, nothing about American history. So uh, that's why I fell in love with country music. Cause it was, I didn't know this, this whole world existed uh, where uh, white people sang about their troubles, poor white people sang about their troubles working in the sawmill and, and having the brother die from diphtheria and all that kind of stuff. And the dog dies and you got a problem with the bottle and mom's going to prison and, uh, you know, you're hopping a train, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So uh, Lefty was from the golden era of country music. And uh, I, I always put his, his death date in the Daily Blast. Uh, again, today, 1975, poor Lefty died at 47. Returning to what we were talking, we were talking all things nuclear. And, of course, I'm always reticent to talk about uh, nukes because we have such an educated audience, and this is such a nuclear place of New Mexico. I'm bound to screw something up, uh, and uh, I, uh, I, will, I will take the lumps that I, I properly deserve. Uh, I was talking about spent nuclear fuel, and I was talking about this award that uh, the UNM nuclear kids got. When, uh, people might have wondered, well, how does this, what is this about? How, how does this link to Michelle Luan Grisham? We're here to hear uh, red meat. We're here for our red meat about Michelle Luan Grisham. Trust me. Trust me. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So, pro-nuclear New Mexico, our kids just got another award. Uh, I think it's the fifth award in a row they've gotten from uh, the American Nuclear Society. Pro-nuke, pro-nuke, pro-nuke. All right, we have a problem in this country, spent nuclear fuel, the stuff that's removed from the reactors when it's no longer profitable to sustain the chain reaction to spin the turbines. The feds, as I was saying before the break, uh, promised to take care of this problem for the industry. The industry, to its eternal discredit, believed the feds and said, okay, we'll let you handle this whole thing. 
when a government entity assumes control over a very complex technical problem, economic problem, a problem that's going to uh, uh, take decades to solve, and a, it's an industry that is losing favor with the public, you're going to experience a failure. January 1998, more than 24 years ago, more than 24 years ago, the federal government was supposed to start taking possession of all the spent nuclear fuel generated all over the country at all the, all the various reactor sites. They missed the deadline a little bit. They're only about 24 years behind. Nevada did everything it could to fight this. Uh, the Obama administration illegally stopped the, um, the license application illegally. A judge ruled that they acted illegally. There are no good guys in here. This whole process was created uh, by Republicans and Democrats alike. It was a terrible, terrible idea. But one good thing came out of this. A little bit of money for every kilowatt hour that was sold to a customer, a little bit of money, a little fra fraction of a cent was put in a treasury. We now have tens of billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars sitting on the sidelines waiting to solve this problem. One of the ways that we can solve it is by establishing what's called consolidated interim storage facilities. So the, the nuclear reactors that are decommissioned, and we have a bunch of these where I come from uh, in New England, uh, in the northern Midwest, they're ready to move on. They're not making power anymore. They're going to turn them into parks or whatever, but they still have the spent nuclear fuel. Now, it's, it's nasty stuff in terms of radioact radioactivity, unshielded radioactivity, but it's kept in these steel canisters, and then there's a concrete cask put around the steel canister. No one has ever died or been injured from a release of radioactivity in the entire history of the nuclear industry in our country. This stuff has been transported. Uh, it's been, uh, Sandia did, a, did an experiment. They took it to Europe on barges and trains and then brought it back to America. Uh, it, it is very safe to transport when it's shielded properly and our engineers know how to do this. They've been doing it for a long, long time. So the concept now is consolidated interim storage until we find a permanent solution. So companies are popping up. A couple of gutsy companies are popping up and saying, all right, we're, we're going to take the spent nuclear fuel. We're going to get a, a license to operate a facility. And again, this is the most boring stuff on earth. They're going to be inserted into the ground and left there. And the American Southwest is one of the best places to do this because there's not a lot of rain here. There's not a lot of people here, particularly out in the rural sections. So over the border in Texas, one company is trying to establish one of these facilities. And right here in New Mexico, on the county line, near the county line, Lee uh, County and Eddy County down in the uh, southeast corner, they are trying to uh, establish a similar facility. So I've been following this for years uh, because I've been involved in a lot of nuclear issues back home in New England, which had, takes a lot of its power, or historically got a lot of its power from, from nuclear. And um, something as good has happened. Something good has finally happened. It's been nonstop, just political sniping and lawsuits and incompetence and wasted money. The feds have been bungling this for decades. But now we have the possibility of a market-oriented solution with companies coming along and saying, we'll, we'll take this off your hands for 20 years or 40 years or 60 years. And to me, it's very obvious. You take the money that was set aside, it was billions and billions, tens of billions of dollars, and that's how you fund these facilities. One such facility proposed for New Mexico. Last week, the feds, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, probably the only government entity that I ever say anything good about, they signed off on the environmental assessment, basically said this will not pose uh, any kind of environmental risks. They still have to pass the safety assessment, but the environmental, uh, uh, that metric was the big finish line, basically. If they could get this approved, get it through environmental scrutiny, uh, this thing is really got cooking with gas now. The document, uh, Eric, and I will apologize, folks, I haven't read the full document yet. It is 736 pages. 
Uh, it was released late last week. I haven't had time to read the entire document yet. 736 pages. But in New Mexico, formerly pro-nuclear New Mexico, and actually uh, I'll talk about some associated press bias relating to this as well, our elected officials, you're talking about you know some of the worst people in New Mexico, Michelle Lujan Grisham, uh, Martin Heinrich, I would say, Ben Ray uh, Lujan, far and away the stupidest member of the U.S. Senate, and that's, that's saying a lot. Uh, Teresa Teresa Leger Fernandez, uh, Lonely Girl, our our beloved Lonely Girl, uh, Melanie Stansberry, uh, Hector Balderas, our our Attorney General. Because the power of the environmental lobby and the power of environmental dogma is what it is, they have been fighting tooth and nail uh, this particular proposal to store this passive uh, metallic material, heavily shielded in steel and concrete down in the middle of nowhere, uh, near the county border uh, of Lee and Eddy County, uh, it would bring jobs. It would bring revenue. Uh, we need we need to diversify our economy uh, away from government and away from oil and gas. Here's another way we can do that. It's not going to solve New Mexico's economic problems, but it's going to make a contribution. And um, the people in power don't like it. The governor got real nasty when the NRC signed off on this last week. This is her statement. Uh, the NRC is quote effectively choosing profit over public interest. The NRC has unilaterally decided to house the nation's spent nuclear fuel in New Mexico, despite the fact that our state has not one nuclear power plant, objection, Your Honor, relevancy, within its borders. And while the NRC and Holtec International, that's the company uh, based out of New Jersey, say that the proposal is temporary, a 40-year license with the opportunity for renewal will threaten the health and safety of generations of New Mexicans. Uh, she's just expressing the the opinion of our statewide politicians for the most part uh, when it comes to this particular project. Funny thing, you talk to the politicians down uh, at the local level, county level, municipal level, they're almost uniformly for it. Uh, and the locals are almost uniformly for it. They think it's a good project. They know that there's a strong nuclear history in New Mexico. They want this. They want the jobs. They want the tax revenue. We know we can do this safely. There's a competing proposal just over the border in Andrews County, Texas. So uh, there's a little bit of competition going here. We're letting the market work out work out this problem, at least for an interim uh, solution. So very good news for New Mexico. On top of the Valencia County oil and gas uh, uh, overlay zone last week, we had a great decision out of Washington from the NRC. The governor, uh, very hypocritically in a very pro-nuclear state, is uh, catastrophizing this, putting out her propaganda. But worst of all, folks, our land commissioner, Stephanie Garcia Richard, when she was in the legislature before she was land commissioner, she voted for a memorial backing this project. Once she became a statewide official and she wasn't representing Los Alamos anymore, and she realized how powerful the environmental lobby is statewide, she is adamantly opposed to this project. 30 years I've been in this business, ladies and gentlemen, 30 years. I have never seen political hypocrisy on the level of Stephanie Garcia Richard. Never, never, never once. If you doubt me, go to rockoftalk.chat. I've written about it. I can get you all the documents if you want the, the, the primary sources themselves. The height of hypocrisy, Stephanie Garcia Richard, one of the most loathsome politicians uh, is currently in New Mexico and maybe even historically in New Mexico as well. So we got good news out of Washington. This project uh, looks to be moving forward. Despite the screamers, the screechers, the paranoiacs, our governor, Martin Heinrich, Stephanie Garcia, Richard, this was a win for New Mexico. We had two regulatory wins for New Mexico last week, one on oil and gas, uh, one on nuclear, uh, spent nuclear fuel storage. So it's something to be happy about. There's not often that we have a lot to be happy about in New Mexico, but I'm happy this sucker is moving forward. You should be too. We're going to step away for a few brief minutes, but we're going to come right back. 
Yes, we'll go honking, talking, mate. Every club in town, we'll go to the part where it's dark. We won't fool around. But if you run short of money, I'll run short of time. Cause you with no more money, honey, I've no more time. Genesis is number one in 1986. It's only number one, according to Billboard. I, I, I have a hard time believing that, Pro. Uh, who was bigger than Genesis in the 1980s? I mean, nobody. Not many. They must have had 75 number twos then, at least. I mean, my goodness, uh, way back in the 80s. And, of course, that's the best decade. Uh, we, we all know that, right? I mean, the 80s. I mean, For sure, yeah. Can you name it yeah, better? Yeah, I'm, I'm about six months younger than you, can, it, doubt, can, you name, so. can you name a better decade than the, than the 1980s? Uh, Eric, I can't speak for you, but uh, we kind of just sort of did our thing, <laughs> right? right? I, I mean, mean, we there weren't helicopter parents. Uh, I never wore a bicycle helmet. I never. Um, we we yeah, we played video games. Video games. We'd have to ride your bike to the convenience store to put the quarters in. It wasn't in the house twenty four seven with perfect graphics and sound. And no, 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 no. Anyway, that's a, a a quick look back at 1986. I think we have what we got a we got music stories today from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, including one hit wonder Lou Bega, <laughs> who never seemed to have topped uh, what he accomplished back in 99. I'm sure that's coming up later in the show. It's the Rocket Talk, ladies and gentlemen, 1600 AM in the Duke City, Albuquerque, or if State Representative Miguel Garcia uh, is to be trusted, I believe his proper pronunciation the other night in Los Lunas was. Albo care K Albo A L B O care K K E R R K. Uh, I've been pronouncing it wrong all this time. I've, I've lived here a lot of my adult life. But that's that's Representative Garcia. The less said about him, uh, the better. I uh, hope you enjoyed the nuclear stuff last segment. We are moving on to more science, more science and technology um, relating to. Uh, <sighs> Folks, I'm not going to torture you with this. I could have done three hours. We could we could have done three hours any day in the last two and a half years uh, on the Rona. But this one really stood out. Uh, it was an essay uh, posted at the Foundation for Economic Education, fee.org. Uh, Fascinating stuff by John uh, Miltimore. News reports say the Biden <clears throat> administration is weighing a plan that would allow all adults to receive their second COVID-19 booster, uh, citing concerns from, you guessed it, uh, Mr. Ouchie Fauci, about uh, rising hospitalizations. Currently, second booster shots are only offered to individuals over the age of 50. I guess I'm not too far from that. Uh, Anyway, CNN, the morons at CNN were discussing this. Uh, Don Lamont was discussing this about how important it was to be getting uh, 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 potentially not just your uh, uh, second booster, but your third booster, which I guess would mean five shots Overall, if you've got the double up uh, to begin. Meanwhile, back on planet Earth, back in reality world, 
Uh, it is true that uh, immunity uh, does uh, wane, wane, but uh, new research from the New England Journal of Medicine, of course, that uh, completely discredited, uh, uh, unreliable New England Journal of Medicine, suggests that natural immunity, it lasts longer than any immunity you might acquire from the vaccines. The study uh, is out of Qatar. Uh, some people pronounce it gutter. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but uh, it's an Arabic country, one of those... Uh, places that uh, we should not be subsidizing the defense of, but that's another subject. Uh, collected from uh, late 2021 into the first few months of 2022, it involved millions of people, uh, including those who received at least two doses, doses of Pfizer, uh, as well as hundreds of thousands of people who received at least two doses of Moderna. And of course, they looked at the unvaccinated individuals. I believe uh, they're calling this purebloods now. I, I, I heard someone say that on, um, on some kind of vlog or blog, uh, podcast the other day and I thought, oh, I, I don't want to listen to this person. They're, they're doing racial superiority, pure blood. No, apparently it really is a thing now. If you haven't gotten stuck by your Fauci ouchie, you're a pure blood. You can be a black pure blood, a white pure blood, a mixed race pure blood. I'm kind of uh, Irish, uh, Slovak and Scandinavian. So I'm kind of a European mutt pure blood, I guess. Uh, good, good to know that you can be a pure blood no matter what. Uh, the results of the study are uh, at best, I would say a mixed bag for the pro vaccine camp. Now, the best news for those people is that, quote, any form of previous immunity, whether induced by previous infection or vaccination, is associated with strong and durable protection against the Rona uh, as it relates to hospitalization and death. But um, that's, you know, in other words, both vaccines and natural immunity reduce the risk of hospitalization or death. Uh, the combination of prior full vaccination and prior infection was maximally positive researchers said that's interesting individuals with prior infection and three doses of either mrna vaccine vaccine were overall nearly 80 percent protected from symptomatic infection but the study also found and here's where it gets interesting and here's where we get off the uh the fauci train uh that two doses of vaccines offered quote negligible close quote protection against the omicron infection. All right, here's a quote from the researchers. A key finding was that a history of vaccination with the standard two doses of either Pfizer or Moderna, but no history of prior infection brought no significant protection against symptomatic Omicron infection. In regards to the Pfizer shot, or three shots, offered considerably more protection, but the protection was still lower than natural immunity, which offered stronger and more sustained protection from infection uh, than just vaccination. Now, again, uh, Eddie and I began running that uh, Dr. Yeden video uh, back, you know, <laughs> what, almost two years ago, in which he was talking about the durability of nat natural immunity and how uh, SARS in, what, 2002, the earlier SARS that took place in Asia, uh, they, they'd studied people for 17, uh, 18 years, and, the, and their immunity was holding up. So that's a very, 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 very important point. And it looks like Dr. Eden, like he's been right on many things, was right on that as well. As well. Now, these findings are similar to findings out of Israel. And I tried to make a lame joke earlier in the show. I mean, when you can get the Arabs and the Israelis to agree on something, I think we can, we can take it to the bank. Uh, that study in uh, Israel found that natural immunity offered more robust protection against the Delta variant than vaccines. Uh, this was uh, printed in the journal Science. Uh, last summer, almost almost exactly a full year ago, quote, the natural immune protection that develops after a SARS-CoV-2, that's the bug itself, the formal name for the bug, infection offers considerably more of a shield against the Delta variant of the pandemic coronavirus than two dose, doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech 
vaccine, according to that article in Science. More than a dozen other studies also found that natural immunity offered powerful protection against COVID equal to or even stronger than vaccination itself. Uh, And so here's where we get into more constitutional rights philosophy. Uh, This is the Foundation for Economic Education, kind of a libertarianish shop. Even absent these findings, vaccine mandates were dubious from the beginning. The morality of violating bodily autonomy through government coercion is a serious and dangerous matter. In light of these findings, however, vaccine mandates also appear nonsensical. So they don't have practical value and they also have serious uh, uh, human rights uh, uh, problems too. While many institutions now consider COVID infection a form of immunization, including the NCAA, which in January changed its policy uh, regarding athletes, uh, many have not. And they're just sticking with the Fauci narrative from day one. Uh, Thousands of soldiers have been discharged because of their vaccination status. We know people in our listening community who have had to walk away from their jobs or been booted out of their jobs uh, based on their vaccination status. Healthcare workers continue to face vaccine mandates in many, many places. It's time for all institutions, especially governments, to recognize vaccine choices should remain with individuals. The idea that freedom over one's own body is the most basic and essential freedom is one embraced not just by libertarians, but also, believe this is tough to believe, by Natalia Kanem, a physician who heads the UN's Population Fund. Quote, bodily autonomy is the foundation on which all rights exist, this uh, uh, bureaucrat uh, bluntly stated. All efforts to compel people to get vaccinated or else are coercive and therefore wrong. But when the government in particular violates body auto- uh, body, bodily autonomy for a, an alleged greater good, it betrays its very reason for being. As Ayn Rand, <laughs> hero of uh, objectivists everywhere, said, the only purpose of a government is to protect man's rights. As more studies like the research published in the New England Journal of Medicine come out, it becomes more and more clear that vaccine mandates weren't just immoral, they were senseless. Fortunately, many are beginning to realize just that. Um, I probably would take a little bit of a darker view of that. Fortunately, many are starting to realize. Uh, I think uh, people should have started to realize this a lot earlier. Uh, I will toot our own horn. Uh, Eddie and I have been uh, scrutinizing and studying Rona paranoia for two and a half years. I think if you really look back at the record, at the work we've done, uh, the things we've dug up, the things we put up on the website, uh, the way we've answered people's questions, emails and calls, I think we look pretty damn good. Uh, we didn't fall for the hysteria. I think Mr. Epro there on the other side of the glass, he didn't fall for any uh, any hysteria. Uh, I'm a pure blood. He's a pure blood. I'm a pepper. You're a pepper. He's a pepper. I have no intention uh, of getting this medicine, not because I have some sort of paranoid belief that it's going to put graphene in me and you know uh, I, uh, make me into a Klaus Schwab uh, automaton. Uh, I just never, looking at the data, it just never seemed that, that, COVID was that much of a risk to me. I'm, I'm in very good health. I'm outside every day. I'm decent weight, probably like a lot of people my age, could lose maybe a quick five and not and not miss it. But um, strong immune system, grew up on a farm. They, they've done a lot of research on kids who grew up on farms. Now they have more robust immune systems. They're closer to the soil and animals and that kind of thing. So Rona never really scared me. You know, in the first few weeks, it was pretty concerning. Um, there's a lot we didn't know. We know a heck of a lot now. And I don't regret not getting those jabs. And my 79-year-old mother and 79-year-old father who did not get the jabs don't regret it either. Uh, they're doing quite well preparing the crop uh, in southern New England, the apple crop for uh, for sale. So uh, some good news, some good news. Enough people are waking up. Wish they had woken up sooner. Stick around, folks. We're coming right back. 
A little bit of Monica in my life, a little bit of Erica by my side, a little bit of Rita's all I need, oh. a little bit of Tina's what I see, a little bit the of Sandra 90, in the, the sun, a little bit of good. Mary all night long, yeah. a little bit of Jessica, here I am, uh, a little bit of you makes me your man. Uh, that was uh, 99 on this date. Uh, the album, the debut album, A Little Bit of Mambo was released. Uh, Mr. Big, I don't think he ever really went on to have a stellar career. He didn't exactly become, I don't know, Justin Bieber. Or, <laughs> but uh, uh, he certainly had a, a hit back then. And uh, I think we, back then, uh, E-Pro, we, we said that was a good theme for Bill Clinton, right? I mean... I remember that, yeah. yeah that's I right. mean, he had a girl in, in every precinct and every ward. And uh, if you read uh, David Frum's biography of, of Hillary Clinton, she... Uh, she she left the Watergate committee to come to Albu- Albuquerque to Ar- Arkansas to uh, to be with Bill, and uh, she very quickly l- learned the bad news that um, she was uh, going to be competing with a lot of uh, other women that uh, he kept in every ward in every precinct. But um, that's uh, enough about the Clintons' marriage. That uh, we don't we don't need to hear anything about that. What we do need to hear about is Hunter Biden. This is a great essay, and I sent it out. Uh, another reason you should subscribe, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a Brit, a Brit writer uh, by the name of Brendan O'Neill. Uh, wrote a really interesting uh, essay about why you can't trust the media uh, and why the Substack platform, whether it's uh, Glenn Greenwald, whether it's Alex Berenson, whether it's the Rock of Talk here in New Mexico, uh, why so many people are subscribing to these outlets where you can get uh, facts and data and analysis that you simply are never going to get uh, from, well, what used to be the press, what used to be reporters, and it's very clear that they are in the tank in the tank for the powers that be everything you need to know and i like this intro everything you need to know about the modern liberal media is contained in the following fact they told us there was a video of donald trump consorting with prostitutes but there wasn't and they told us there probably weren't any videos of hunter biden consorting with prostitutes but there were the supposedly respectable reality-based media expended far more energy grabbing a uh, gabbing about a completely mythical video of Trump watching Russian hookers, uh, family show, let's say, uh, engaging in untoward activity in Moscow in 2013 than they did investigating rumors of real videos showing the current president's son taking drugs with prostitutes in hotels in Vegas and elsewhere. Fake news about Trump carries more weight than real news about the Bidens in today's messed up media. Uh, why do we have to talk about this? We have to because the Hunter Biden story, or rather the fact that the Hunter Biden story took so long to come out, tells us a great deal about media elites in the 21st century. This isn't really about Hunter anymore or his tragic crack habit or his genuinely sad inability to do anything without filming it on his phone or his laptop. No, this is about the media's abandonment of objectivity in response to the populist moment and their craven willingness to bury stories that have the potential to harm political elites. 
Uh, the latest Hunter computer revelations are the most miserable yet. A 4chan user claims to have hacked into Hunter's iCloud account and found all manner of obscenities. A video of Hunter smoking what seems to be crack, a crack pipe, uh, during a water immersion therapy session in Massachusetts. Uh, footage of Hunter in a shower again, smoking what appears to be a crack pipe with two call girls. The women refer to him as their, quote, future baby daddy, close quote, and to themselves as a um, family show. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that part out. Expletive deleted. This was filmed in 2018, just nine days after Joe Biden had wired Hunter $75,000. Jeez, I'd like to have an old man who could just, on a whim, wire me. You got an old man like that, Eric? 75 grand can just drop, in, my drop in Western Union just whenever, whenever you're in trouble? No, uh, it's a dad. sorrowful, pathetic video. And yet we are compelled to imagine the global media storm there uh, would have been if it had been revealed that Trump had sent tens of thousands of dollars to one of his sons, who then seemed to blow it all on prostitutes and drugs. That would unquestionably have been uh, turned into a front page indictment of the moral rot of Trumpism. The response to the Hunter iCloud leak could not be more different. And this gets to me personally, folks, because uh, I'm a professional researcher and to see formerly credible institutions uh, surrender their credibility is, uh, is, is really, really poor. Back to the article. Amazingly, some in the woke set even wondered if the videos are real. Snopes, once, to, once a fact-checking site and now a blatantly partisan media outlet, advised its readers to, quote, take individual rumors and memes with a grain of salt, close quote. Rolling Stone's response was to lambaste 4chan. 4chan is a cesspit of baseless, hate-fueled misinformation, according to Rolling Stone, uh, hinting that the Hunter videos might be misinformation, too. Hunter clearly has a troubled private life. And in my view, it is wrong to delve into people's privately stored information. Hunter needs help, not hacks. And yet some of the recent revelations from Hunter's gadgets are more serious, more political, and they reach to the president himself. And strikingly, even that is not being widely discussed. For example, Joe Biden's claim that he never discussed foreign business with his son appears to uh, <laughs> be untrue. Uh, even shattered by some of the recent leaks. A few weeks ago, a voicemail leaked from Hunter's backed up computer data confirmed that Joe called Hunter in December 2018 to discuss a New York Times report linking the sun to a huge Chinese oil corporation. Uh, Yi Jinming, uh, Yan Ming, uh, the chairman of that corporation, met with Hunter in a hotel room in Miami in 2017 to discuss a partnership to invest in American infrastructure and energy deals. Uh, this gentleman was later arrested on suspicion of trying to bribe the president of Chad. Interesting. Quote, hey, pal, it's dad. If you get a chance, give me a call. I love you, said Joe in his voicemail message about the NYT, a New York Times report on Hunter's links to the Chinese oil giant, which rather suggests Joe and Hunter did discuss matters of global business. Uh, what's more, Joe denied attending a dinner, dinner in Washington, D.C. back in 2015 with Hunter's business associates from Russia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. Yet emails and photographs confirm he did attend. It's now also known that Joe known that Joe met with some of Hunter's other Chinese business partners and with his Mexican billionaire associate too, according to the Daily Mail over there in the UK, quote, the president lied about not uh, talking foreign business with his son, close quote. Shouldn't this be bigger news? The fact that the current leader of the free world seems to have frequently rubbed shoulders with powerful foreign businessmen who were the friends of his troubled son. Again, uh, one is forced to contemplate what the response would have been if it had been revealed that Trump had wined and dined Russian and Chinese oligarchs at the behest of one of his offspring. 
Uh, indeed, there is staggering irony to the liberal media's muted response to the Hunter Joe revelations. For years, the woke establishment went on and on about Trump's alleged links with Russia. He was a Putin puppet, they said, planted in the White House by powerful Ruski oligarchs. Yet these same people have said almost nothing about the revelation that Hunter was entertained by billionaire oligarchs in Moscow and that he swiftly met with his dad when he returned to the U.S. from that particular Russian trip. If Trump so much as said a nice word about Russia, there would be ceaseless media hysteria. Yet the Bidens can associate with iffy Russian oligarchs and the woke media shrug their shoulders. This really is the pinnacle of Double standards, uh, a fine, fine essay from our friend Brendan O'Neill over there in the UK. Sometimes you need a foreigner to uh, look at your country. I'm, I'm always a little wary when foreigners write about America. But in this case, uh, I think uh, Mr. O'Neill was uh, spot on in uh, calling out the hypocrisy of our media elites. I can't believe it, folks. Uh, the inmates are still running the asylum. E e the EPRO is still on the other side of the glass doing well. I'm still here uh, rambling uh, as the second hour concludes. We've got some great more stuff. EPRO, are we going all the way for a full hour uh, in the final hour of the we show? We might as well go the whole We're way. We're going all the way to 7 o'clock, folks. Uh, thank you for sticking around. You can give us a call. We're going to have a wild, freewheeling uh, final hour, 505 505-266-1600, 505-266-1600. 1600 rest assured the trained professional the the very owner of the station literally uh will be back on the air tomorrow uh the uh, the b team uh is uh, is doing our best to uh, carry you through this very very hot oh down to only 100 degrees in albuquerque now this very very hot afternoon here in the duke city and i know of course we have people listening in let's see uh milwaukee minnesota scotland um somebody i think we have we have somebody in tennessee uh, we have regular listeners in uh, all over all over this uh, uh, wonderful planet of ours, uh, the wonderful planet of ours that is not going to end in 10 years, uh, despite what uh, AOC may have told you. I saw some headline. Uh, I'm going to check uh, in the break, uh, Eric. Uh, AOC and a bunch of other protesters were actually arrested in front of the Supreme Court today uh, protesting um, uh, uh, the, uh, the patriarchy, probably, because you know how evil the American patriarchy and Brett Kavanaugh. They never got Brett Kavanaugh for all those assaults. Remember, he was a gang rapist and... That was years ago, and they still haven't arrested him. I'm, I'm still waiting. But AOC was arrested today. Brett Kavanaugh is free, and AOC is in D.C. lockup. I mean, what what is the world coming to, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff lined up in the final hour for you, for you folks. Going to want to uh, stick around for that. We're going to have that fascinating story that I told you about from the New York Post about a young man who traced his family history and learned something about America's racial history, some facts and some truth and some perspective on race in America that you're never really going to hear from, uh, I don't know, Joy Behar or AOC. Uh, wonderful essay in the New York Post. So we're going to get into that in the final hour. And I have some other fun stuff. Stacey Abrams, uh, an update on all the protests that are going on all over the world, because there are a lot of ticked off people in countries in Asia, uh, in Europe, in South America. The uh, the masses are rising. They're not liking where our elites, our elites are bringing us with runaway inflation and ecological nonsense. Uh, some good news. Some good news. Stick around, folks. We're going to come back for the final hour in just a few minutes. A little bit of Tina's what I see. A little bit of Sandra in the sun. A little bit of Mary all night long. A little bit of Jessica, here I am. A little bit of you makes me your man.
spirits high. You can stretch right up and touch the sky. When the weather's fine, you got women, you got women on your mind. Have a drink, have a drive, go out and see what you can find. If a daddy's rich, take her out for a meal. If a daddy's poor, just do what you feel. Speed along the lane, you can down or return to 25. When the sun goes down, you can make it, make it good and live by. When I let people, when I daddy, when I mean, we love everybody, but we do as we please. When the weather's fine, we go fishing or go sailing in the sea. Mongo Jerry, which would have us know, hot Albuquerque, middle of July. At the time, as we know from the federal government, that's the hottest time of the year. And, and, uh, I, I know a lot of people. I'm trying to keep a level head. Uh, final hour of the program here. It's the Rock of Talk on KIVA 1600 AM, Albuquerque, New Mexico, the Duke City in the land of enchantment. The, uh, the filler the filler is filling out the final hour, the third hour of the program. Mr. Aragon returns tomorrow. Uh, of course, you're going to want to listen in uh, worldwide if you're not available to listen over the air, uh, over the broadcast air. Check us out at rockoftalk.com. You can always listen there. And television, TV, as they say in Indiana. It's very spatial, as we say in Indiana. Uh, Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. Check us out on those platforms. And, of course, download the app. Eddie wants you to download the app, and I want you to visit rockoftalk.chat and subscribe for less than 20 cents a day. One of the things that we do at rockoftalk.chat, we document the many, many, many ways, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make this all about me, because I'm. it's really, you know, I don't like to talk about myself, but we document the many ways that state government, even local government as well, uh, they take your money and they give it to private interests that kind of line the pockets and help the you know, profit and loss statements of uh, enterprises. Now, uh, they are doing that again. This is hot off the presses. Just came into my email inbox from the New Mexico Film Office. Oh, boy. A movie called The Informant is filming in Las Cruces this very week, uh, directed by Michael uh, Oblowitz and produced by Daniel Cummings. The Informant is the story of a terminally ill undercover narcotics cop who enlists the aid of his partner and their junkie uh, uh, informant to stage his death in order to support his financially struggling Family. Hmm. That plot sounds a little uh, similar to something else that's uh, connected to Albuquerque. Anyway, it stars Mel Gibson. What? We in New Mexico are subsidizing Mel Gibson, noted anti-Semite Mel Gibson? I am offended, ladies and gentlemen. I am offended. Mr. Speaker! Mr. Speaker! Mr. Speaker! This cannot be tolerated. This cannot be tolerated. This is an obscenity against the people of New Mexico. We are funding an anti-Semite, Mel Gibson, <clears throat> Kate Bosworth, Dominic Purcell, and Nick Stahl. We're thrilled to welcome the informant to Las Cruces, according to John Sepp, the Las Cruces film liaison. Thrilled to welcome notorious anti-Semite Mel Gibson and give him big checks. Wow. Uh, the production will employ approximately 30 New Mexico crew members, uh, two New Mexico principal actors, and uh, approximately 10 New Mexico background talent. Uh, that's what they call extras now. 
um, for about uh, an entire year. I think back in 2018, they, there was a monthly meeting uh, that the film office put on up at one of the state buildings up in Santa Fe, and I snuck in. Uh, it was a public meeting. They didn't know who I was, and I snuck in. And then at the end of the year, I wrote about what they were saying at these meetings, uh, the politics of it, supporting MLG, and they didn't have those meetings anymore. But I learned a lot about the film industry as it operates here in New Mexico, and that's where I learned that background talent uh, is what we used to call uh, uh, extras. Okay, so 30 crew members. Now, we know those aren't full-time jobs because film production ends. It doesn't go on forever. It's not like a manufacturing plant or an office building or a hospital or something. Uh, two New Mexico principal actors. Well, that means that Mel Gibson and Kate Bosworth and Dominic Purcell and Nick Stahl are going to make most of the money in terms of the performers. It's not going to be locals. And then 10 background talent, which is, you know, not exactly. I think they pay maybe more than minimum wage, but not a lot. So that's economic development, New Mexico style. We are subsidizing notorious anti-Semite uh, Mel Gibson. And if less you think I'm kidding, folks, if it's some of our younger uh, listeners, I do think if you can go online and see some of the uh, unpleasantness that Mel had, I think he struggled with the bottle over the years and at one point or another uh, made some very disparaging things about uh, the Jewish community. So uh, another way that we subsidize wonderful people, uh, wonderful, wonderful people and give money to Southern Californians and uh, take it out of your pocket and give it to performers and producers and directors, the majority of which don't even live here. But the union does very, very well politically by this. Uh, they've delivered the votes for uh, Democrats and Republicans alike. There's a lot of Republicans, a lot of Republicans in New Mexico. They're in love with subsidizing Hollywood. I could name names, but uh, I'm actually going to move on to, uh, to something else. I'm, I'm going to start uh, this segment, and I, I, this is such a fascinating bit of history and such a, a courageous act by uh, someone looking into their family history that uh, I doubt we can even do this just in the next few minutes. It's going to take up a good chunk of our of our final hour. Uh, this young man's name is Dennis Richmond Jr. And uh, this essay was published in the New York Post, uh, the tabloid journalism publication uh, in in the Big Apple. But I would, I would, I, if you give me a choice, I would trust the trust the work of the New York Post over the New York Times. I don't know that I would have said that ten or twenty or thirty years ago, but I certainly would say it now. Uh, fascinating essay. This one up uh, the sixth morning of the sixteenth. So. Um, let's see, the 16th was Saturday. So this, this uh, was posted Saturday morning. My family history shows I've been lied to about slavery in America. Now, in woke uh, craziness, uh, I will preface this remark, uh, this discussion that we uh, are about to commence uh, with some simple declarations. Uh, slavery is inconsistent with a libertarian philosophy. Uh, slaves throughout human history have been the victims of oppressive systems and has Nothing to do with their religion or race. I don't care about any of that. Any human being who's ever been a slave to another human being is the victim of oppression, has been the victim of oppression. I think in certain really dark corners of the world today, there continues to be uh, slavery, but we'd rather have talk about slavery 150 years ago in America because I guess we're out of problems. Uh, so I will preface that uh, if you think this is uh, some sort of defense of slavery, uh, you're a very, very foolish person. Once again, the author is Dennis Richmond Jr., good-looking young man. Uh, has a picture. They have a picture of him on, uh, in a table. It's always great. You know, when you're dealing with a radio professional, Eric, when I'm describing pictures over the radio, big Eddie's going to love that part. I'm, I'm really doing, I'm a real radio pro here describing pictures. Uh, he's in front of a table with his uh, leaning over table, a lot of pictures, family, family history, good looking young man. In March, 2008, I was 13. Uh, and my dad and I watched the TV miniseries Roots, which follows the fictional story of a man born in the 18th century Gambia, uh, who was sold as a slave in America and the many generations who come after him. It inspired me to ask questions about my own family's past. 
Suddenly, I started searching online, interviewing older relatives and exploring libraries and archives. Surprisingly, more than half of Americans can't name all four of their own grandparents, and over 20% of Black Americans have never looked into their family tree. Uh, I'm, I'm just blown away by the fact that more than half of Americans couldn't name their four grandparents. I mean, I'm not a big genealogy guy, but, but that's, that's an amazing statistic. Um, but as a result of my research, not only can I name all of mine, I can trace my family tree straight back to the 1790s. I also discovered something crucial that contrasts sharply with what many African-Americans are taught about our history. Um, at this point, folks, um, should not surprise you that the young man appears to be a black American. As students, black people are repeatedly told that we all descend from slavery and that we all were uh, and only were slaves. Most people assume that every black American, every black American who lived in the U.S. before 1870 was a slave. That is simply not true. Uh, again, we're reading from a, a New York Post uh, posting uh, on Saturday. My family history shows I've been lied to about slavery in America by a young fellow named uh, Dennis Richmond. In 1860, three years before the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation, the United States federal census schedule reported 488,070 free black Americans. True, many might say quasi-free since these African-Americans could not vote, but free they still were, almost half a million of them, roughly 12.5% of the entire African-American population at that time. Huldah Peck, H-U-L-D-A-H, my great-great-great-great-grandmother on my father's side, was born free in Greenwich, Connecticut in 1836. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I've been to Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, it's probably the whitest place in America. Uh, I've been to not only the Greenwich Country Club, but I've been to the Indian Harbor Club in Greenwich. And both times, and I'm not exaggerating, I had to inform the authorities there that I was of Irish blood. Uh, no, no blue blood in me and can't trace anything back to the Mayflower. They kind of said, all right, kid, you can, you can hang out and you can eat here for a while, but we, we want you out of here as, as quick as possible. Uh, Greenwich, Connecticut in 1836. Her parents, George Peck, a stonemason, and uh, Nancy Felmata were also free, as were Nancy's parents, York and Tamar. Uh, the latter born in 1773. Uh, 17, latter born in 1773. And of course, we're seeing all sorts of ads pop up, uh, ruining uh, the flow here, three years before the U.S. Uh, the American Revolution. It's striking to think that my father's ancestors were free for nearly a century before the Civil War. While most of my mother's family were enslaved on South Carolina plantations at this time, learning about this other side, this free side, made me realize that slavery does not fully define my past. Talk about uh, <clears throat> blasphemy in, 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 in woke America. <laughs> Slavery does not fully define my past. Uh, Huldah's children also illustrate the importance of self-reliance and entrepreneurship in my family. Her son, Edward B. Merritt, born in 1871, worked in real estate at a time when the majority of blacks in much of the nation labored as farmers or domestics. His son, John Sherman Merritt, was a homeowner in Greenwich, Connecticut, again, the whitest place in America, folks, uh, who worked four jobs to support his young family. John's daughter, Adele Matilda Merritt, uh, enjoyed a privileged Greenwich childhood complete with charm school, a penchant for photography, and later international travel. And Adele's daughter, my grandmother, Joyce Marie Watkins, was a small business owner who settled in Yonkers, New York. Black children grow up believing that their only history is a history of slavery. 
Nicole Hannah-Jones and the New York Times' 1619 Project argued that America's entire history, entire history, is founded on slavery. The truth is more complicated, interesting, and nuanced than that. Uh, and I think that statement, uh, any, any sweeping declaration about America, folks, uh, if a proper rejoinder would be the truth is more complicated, interesting, and nuanced than that. Researching my family's past has given me a sense of belonging to this nation. I'm part of the large story of striving and success that has built the American dream. Wow, this, this, uh, this, this guy's, uh, <laughs> he's sticking his neck out. All this has empowered me to walk with my head held high, and I hope it inspires others to look beyond the stock narratives of the present and find their own lessons from the past. For me, Hulda's 100-year-old headstone in Rye Brook, New York, will forever serve as a reminder of her unique status and history, a history I am proud to call my own. Again, um, that's the end of the end of the essay. The author, Dennis Richmond Jr., a journalist and the author of He Spoke at My School, an educational journey. He is the founder of the New York, New Jersey HBCU initiative. Uh, and of course, he has uh, Twitter and uh, various uh, social media accounts. Uh, I will have this in the show notes tonight, which you will get if you're a subscriber, ladies and gentlemen. My family history shows I've been lied to about slavery in America. Dennis Richmond Jr., uh, what an honest and I dare say a very, very, very brave young man. Um, <sighs> Wokeness, just documenting the uh, absolute uh, <clears throat> intellectual impoverishment of, of wokeness. I'm glad I ran across this sucker. I know there's a reason that I read the New York uh, Post as, as crazy as it some kind of, sometimes can be. What do you think about that, Epro? I'm proud. I'm proud to hear that. It gives me hope for the future. Uh, you know, me too, because I, I just... The one-sided view of history, of American history, that nothing has happened here but oppression and exploitation is so... It's such a slander to the people who risked their lives to come here. And yes, there were people already here and there were people brought in chains, but a hell of a lot of people also came here uh, leaving some really dismal circumstances for freedom and to maybe have a little plot of land and maybe kind of raise their children and practice their faith the way they wanted to. Uh, it, 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 it boggles my mind, EPRO, that the major institutions in our country have completely abandoned that knowledge. I mean, corporate America, academia, K through 12, and I'm the first to admit, maybe maybe our American history for our younger uh, our younger folks, even really up into high school, it might have been a little too simplistic in the past. Maybe we need to have included uh, a little more uh, diversity there. Sure, yeah, we, we, we might have included. Uh, there was a there's a fascinating documentary on PBS. This will not shock you that a documentary was used to depict uh, uh, abuses in America, but it's about the history of, of Chinese folks in in this country and the idea that what those folks were subjected to. The worst jobs shunted to the worst part of town. Often guys would just get drunk and go in and shoot up Chinatown. Uh, horrendous. There were, it, there's a story about in Wyoming where these miners are panning for metals and just a whole bunch of Chinese bodies just come down the river because there was a massacre the previous year. The bodies were frozen, you know, upstream. I mean, there, all kinds of people have suffered in America and all kinds of people have prospered in America. And if you're not willing to acknowledge the totality of that, uh, I think you're a very, 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 very dishonest person. So um, uh, this will be in the show notes tonight. And uh, uh, producer Eric will be getting the show notes tonight as a, as a, as a loyal subscriber. Um, and the sad thing is just you're not, why does it take the New York Post, a, a New York tabloid that usually talks about Kim, Kim K and Pete Davidson to publish this? Why, why can't that appear in the New York Times? If, they, if he had submitted that to the New York Times, the Washington Post, do you think this young man's essay would have run? 
zero 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 chance of that zero 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 all right um moving on moving on uh, if we don't do we have to break or are we okay uh the brakes will come up we're rolling along we're just rolling fine. right along excellent uh I, i'm just proud to get that that message out this guy is such an impressive young man we're talking a little bit about free trade my favorite subject global capitalism global capitalism no politician has the right to tell you you can't do business with someone else i don't care if it's indiana or iowa or indonesia or ivory coast or israel or italy uh, no politician can tell me I can't buy something from someone else wherever they are on planet Earth. That's basically my libertarian philosophy. Great piece at Reason Magazine. How the tariff, the orgy of tariffs that began under Donald Trump, something I did not like about Donald Trump, although I'm frequently, I'm someone who frequently criticized, uh, frequently praises things that the administration did. Uh, interesting uh, submission of testimony. Okay, this is being submitted to the U.S. International Trade Commission this week. They're holding a hearing on the economic impact of all those tariffs that were uh, passed under Donald Trump and have been continued under uh, Joe Biden. Interesting company called Lifesaver Pool Fence Systems Incorporated. Their testimony, interesting. For a company like Lifesaver, which manufactures a fencing meant to keep children away from unsupervised pools, uh, lest they accidentally drown, uh, those tariffs have hiked the cost of raw materials imported from China. In the written testimony, uh, Mr. Mooney, a representative of this company, estimates that the company has paid about $1.2 million in tariffs over the past four years and has twice, twice they've had to raise prices specifically because of the Trump tariffs. Quote, the imposition of the Section 301 tariffs has forced our company to raise its prices, which inevitably has led to lower sales volume and therefore fewer protected pools. The economic impact of the tariffs is not only felt by our company and other similar businesses and their employees, but also the end computer uh, end consumers, American families. And this is something that you never hear from the protectionists, the anti-trade people. You never hear this argument about the economic consequences of those tariffs that are imposed. We, we are taxing ourselves and you don't tax yourself your own way to uh, way to wealth. That, that's not really how it happens. Uh, are higher taxes on Chinese-made imports worth leaving American children marginally less safe? Apparently so, at least for the past two presidential administrations. Uh, Mr. Trump used the Section 301 of the Trade Expansion Act of uh, 1974 to impose tariffs on all kinds of goods, uh, both uh, in 2018 and 2019. As a result, the average tariff rate applied to goods from China effectively doubled Cumulatively, Americans have paid about $136 billion in higher costs, higher costs at a time of Rona lockdown, unemployment, high inflation, as a result of those import taxes. That's about $1,000 per household, according to research by the National Taxpayers Union. Tariffs are adding to inflation, too. A study by the Peterson Institute for International Economics, a trade-focused think tank, found that repealing tariffs could reduce overall inflation by about one percentage point. And at this point, <laughs> at this moment, ladies and gentlemen, any will take anything we can get. Despite that, the Biden administration has so far been unwilling to do more than talk about repealing the tariffs imposed by the Trump administration. Now, perhaps this week's hearing will make the case for uh, a new trade stra strategy. Uh, Thursday, business owners and industry lobbyists will have a chance to spell out how the tariffs have resulted in slower growth and higher consumer prices. Uh, later this year, the commission is expected to publish a report that could help guide American trade policy in the future. Uh, and let's hope it's uh, pro-free trade 
policy in the future. Pool fencing is, of course, just one example of a niche product that's been affected by the trade war. Other businesses and trade associations will be testifying about outdoor equipment, sporting goods, and breweries. Very interesting. Fred Ferguson from uh, Vista Outdoor, a Minnesota-based company that manufactures bicycle accessories, including helmets, will tell the commission that the U.S. should rescind tariffs altogether on protective headwear utilized for safety purposes, uh, cyclists, uh, and other action sports participants. Boy, it's easy to declare that trade war on uh, other countries, folks. But when it rebounds and ends up you making you pay more and me pay more, there's actual consequences for that. Uh, don't don't buy into the Peter Navarro nonsense. Uh, free trade is good for America. Uh, Eddie and I, of course, disagree on that. Uh, and uh, we can disagree without hating each other, though. Just wanted to get that out there. This article, of course, will be uh, in the notes as well. Uh, I can't believe we're almost close to the final uh, the final 30 minutes of the show. Uh, kind of running out of time. I'll give the number out one more time if anyone wants to tell me. Uh, Eric, I'm still looking for that caller to tell me I'm doing a terrible job today. Uh, 505-266-1600. 505-266-1600. Speaking of, speaking of, speaking of governments making incredibly stupid decisions, um, it's not just New Mexico, folks. It is not just New Mexico. <laughs> We're often tempted to think our policy is the, the, the worst in the world, but uh, there's bad policy all around. And there's a fascinating look, kind of a, a quick tour of the globe that I ran into from uh, the Federalist, a, a Trump-supporting conservative uh, website about Global protests, uh, kind of everywhere you look late, lately, uh, you are seeing protests pop up uh, uh, from, you know, the Netherlands to, to Sri Lanka. Mainstream media, you will see almost nothing about this. I was taking a look at the Sri Lanka stuff the other night and just Googling around, well, Googling and Neva-ing and duck-duck-going around uh, using all my various search engines to see what's going on, particularly um, Sri Lanka, but also the Netherlands, uh, the, the tractor, uh, the tractor cades that they're having there too. Boy, not a lot of mainstream media covering. Uh, and, and unfortunately, a lot of the coverage, if you're looking at foreign countries, is by the foreign press. And those websites are in other languages. Um, I like to think of myself as smart, but I don't. What do they speak in Holland? Hollandaise? Do they speak Hollandaise in Holland? Is Dutch a language? I think Dutch is a language. Uh, and I don't know what they speak in, in Sri Lanka either, but tough, tough to get the facts, but I will credit this author at The Federalist. Uh, meanwhile, The Washington Post is talking about how to deal with a chatty coworker. Uh, what else are they talking about? Uh, they're talking about what two yentas plus one senator, a lifetime together, uh, according to The New York Times. I guess that's some politicians doing, uh, getting uh, in. Uh, okay, and what are some of the other uh, fascinating articles about, uh, well, I mean, Pete Davidson and Kim K, that's what we're all, that's what we're all really in obsessed with Pete Davidson and, and, and Kim K. Uh, France of all places. I didn't even know this until I read the article because I, I was concentrated mostly on um, Sri Lanka and the Dutch protests. Uh, going back to March, all through May and even up to the current era, uh, French protesters have been uh, protesting a whole all manner of stuff. Even arrests have happened in the last few months. Uh, the economy is struggling. It shrank in the first quarter of the year. Inflation is up by not as much as it is in Joe Biden's country, but it's still uh, a big uh, protesters were uh, arrested for uh, protesting inflation because of the loss of purchasing power. Uh, the country is uh, spending an extra $20.4 billion, I guess, on stimmy checks uh, to uh, help the inflation. I don't know why creating more money will actually help inflation in France, but that's, uh, that's the French for you. In Spain, uh, gas subsidies, uh, welfare, uh, an increase in the minimum wage. The socialist-leaning uh, government has seen uh, all sorts of uh, protests and uh, very, very ticked-off people. 40% uh, reliance on renewable energy. 
not doing wonders for the uh, labor market there. Uh, 13.65% unemployment uh, the first quarter of 2022. That's even worse than New Mexico. That's even worse than New Mexico. Uh, Labor shortages are raising prices on staple grocery items at an almost a 30-year high, and uh, protesters are marching to support tax cuts, Uh, something that you wouldn't really think you'd see in Spain, something we've probably never seen in New Mexico. (laughs) Tax cuts, what's that? Okay, uh, Greece. Uh, Greece has been in trouble for a long, 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 long time. Uh, of course, the, the crisis uh, worsened to its uh, you know, lowest point in 2018. Uh, thousands of people back in April uh, had a huge rally outside of parliament in order to protest what else? Uh, inflation. Oh, and uh, part of that is rising electricity prices and rising fuel prices and um, rising natural gas prices. Maybe uh, Greece has come to America. In India, this is, of course, the big chunk of land off the coast of, uh, uh, or on the mainland or from the island of Sri Lanka, a country locked in a vicious cycle of going into debt to pay off the interest of former debts. The increasing cost of living is racking the country. And uh, that's, that's a land that, uh, you know, <laughs> has seen its share of hardship, uh, uh, certainly over the years. Uh, back in March, an estimated 50 million workers participated in a two-day uh, strike uh, in order to protest the loss of jobs and income. They were back uh, organizing rallies. The commies, you know, if you're so much, if you're a lot, you know, if you're if you're facing some hard times, uh, don't trust the communists to make things better. Uh, they are organizing rallies, uh, protesting uh, what else? In- inflation. The socialist government in Argentina, uh, they have defaulted seven times uh, in recent history, and the largest decline in the relative standard of living in the world since 1900. Good going, Argentina. I know New Mexico's working on this. We're working hard on it, but Argentina just blows us out of the water. Uh, they're trying to do something new. Yesterday, the uh, economic minister announced her plan to cut the fiscal deficit, a proposal that more than 1,000 Argentines are protesting. Uh, they, they don't want to be uh, cut off those uh, good government no-show jobs. Uh, decades of government spending and faulty economic policies have led to Argentina's inflation rate growing at 58%. Folks, that's worse than Joe Biden's America. Fifty-eight percent. I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I, I bow to no one in my disdain for Joe Biden, but even he hasn't uh, produced fifty-eight percent inflation. Prices are liquid and through the roof, with iPhones costing six months' rent and a two-hour plane ticket equaling the cost of a month's college tuition. I suppose most of those plane tickets are one way. Um, the economic minister plans to hold Argentina to the terms of a forty-four billion dollar debt deal it made earlier this year with, you guessed it, the. International Monetary Fund. I used to live across the street from the International Monetary Fund when I was uh, at university in Washington, D.C. Thousands of Argentines, meanwhile, flocked to protest against the economic hardships felt by the country upon cutting spending and took up banners crying for Argentina's separation from the IMF. That's uh, probably a good, good call. Okay, over in the U.K., the very, very hot, hot, hot U.K., they are looking at a 9.1% inflation rate. That's uh kind of like what we're looking at. Many are tired of the government's response. Uh, Brits have flocked, uh, they flocked out in February to protest rising costs of living. Demonstration held, demonstrations held in at least 25 towns and cities uh, with signs including free prices, not freeze prices, not the poor. Uh, if they do freeze prices, that's not going to make things better in the UK because it doesn't make things better anywhere. Uh, the UK's inflation rate uh, was at 5.4% in January and, of course, uh, accelerated and accelerated, almost doubling. And uh, they're facing problems, of course, due to the sanctions that the EU has placed on Russia. Meanwhile, Russia continues to find customers and hard currency for its uh, natural resources. Uh, back in June, last month, uh, thousands marched in uh, in central London 
in protest. Wow. Uh, and they were asking for more welfare from the government. So we're, we're getting it from, from all angles here. Morocco, uh, Morocco, not, not a place I've ever been to. Uh, and I hadn't, hadn't been up on the Morocco news. Uh, it has suffered from its worst drought in 40 years. They are experiencing price spikes through the roof. Recent months have seen significant uh, protests, people out in the street. Interesting. Um, the None of the four major networks um, or the four outlets, they're analyzing the Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, and NBC. There has been zero coverage uh, in any of these countries in, in recent months. That's really quite interesting. Uh, the New York Times published one lone article on the strike in uh, Indiana. Washington Post had two small articles on Argentinian protests. So that's quite, quite interesting. Um, the corporate press oftentimes only highlights economic protests when they get so loud that they can no longer be ignored. As we saw with Kazakhstan's uh, situation, things got pretty uh, wild there. And of course, the Sri Lankans, uh, their attack on the president's home. I, I did enjoy looking at that picture of people uh, swimming around in the presidential pool in Sri Lanka. Uh, as a good Jeffersonian, I think a little revolution now and then is not necessarily a bad thing. Over the weekend, the biased media this past weekend finally began covering Sri Lanka. Uh, some of those protests are over 10,000 people uh, strong, uh, but only because of footage of demonstrators swarming the president's residence by the thousands. Saturday went viral. Corporate media won't talk about the rest of all of this global unrest because countries are struggling from economically disastrous policies. And I think that's the main point of this article and the strength of this, this essay, uh, akin to President Joe Biden's. Any show of economic turmoil uh, in the EU uh, could be traced back to EU sanctions on Rus Russia or and or green energy failures, which would fly in the face of the corporate media's agenda. Many of these countries have inflationary monetary policies. <clears throat> Sounds like a very large country in, in North America as well. The leftist media will tell you about Sri Lanka and Kazakhstan and Peru, uh, but only to bolster its pro-Ukraine, anti-Russia narrative that denies the realities of war to promote Biden's efforts to empty our pockets and replenish Ukraine's uh, tough language, but I can't say I disagree. In its treatment of the Kazakhstan protest, the Washington Post made sure to mention the country's relationship with Russia. Uh, the Times' article on Sri Lanka uh, framed the economic downturns in terms of problems stemming from Russia's invasion and ignored, who could have seen that coming, ignored the Green New Deal ban on chemical fertilizer that ultimately crashed Sri Lanka's economy. Both CNN's coverage of protests in Iran and NBC's reports of those in Peru likewise stressed the Russia-Ukraine conflict as the cause of the economic turmoil. And of course, what do we hear out of the White House? The Putin price hike. Putin price hike. Putin is the only reason we're encountering troubles in, in our country. The media only highlight these world protests when they grow too big to ignore or when the facts can be skewed toward their preferring narratives. Boy, ain't that the truth. Cherry picking which protests to highlight gives media cover to paint them as isolated incidents in non-Western countries instead of a worldwide trend showing the consequences of embracing left-wing policies. After all, Biden is making the same blunders in the United States Corporate media can't have Americans connecting those dots. Uh, again, good essay here in The Federalist by Beth Whitehead. The U.S. labor market is in shambles. Inflation, as we all know, we all know too well, uh, is spiking to a 40-year high. Our recent figure was 9.1%. The Biden administration is drawing down our emergency oil reserves. Uh, I could get into uh, my perspective on that. I don't think we should have emergency oil reserves because I believe in capitalism. But anyway... Uh, it is uh, a situation in our country that uh, is getting uh, bleaker and bleaker. Discontent 
with all of these policy failures is triggering massive protests all over the world. Just don't expect to read about it in the New York Times. Great, 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 great essay. Wonderful, wonderful essay and uh, exposing. Boy, I'm old enough to remember when you could. The New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, you know, they always had their liberal bias, but they would they would do a fairly decent job reporting facts. Uh, we have reached a point, I was saying to Eddie on the air the other day, uh, it is so bleak, it is so uh, so obvious that these people are pushing an agenda rather than trying to do the job of journalism. I think it's just good to ignore them and uh, spend your money on media sources. That not, you don't necessarily have to agree with them all the time, but at least that have some degree of credibility that will report things that the mainstream media are not telling you. I uh, can't think of anything better than rockandtalk.chat, ladies and gentlemen. Meanwhile, I hadn't planned to get to this. We have a few minutes left in today's show. Stacey Abrams, uh, we all know her. We all uh, love her. Uh, according to, I think, the Star Trek universe, Stacey Abrams is president of the world in their, uh, in, in their imagination, I think. Uh, and maybe they're, they're, you know, they want her to be president. Uh, they can't get her elected governor of Georgia, uh, but they do want her, you know, that stepping stone up to president and then maybe UN Secretary General, eventually Stacey Abrams, uh, this uh, colossal mediocrity known as Stacey Abrams. But fascinating piece in, a, in a, a news source that I do go to for kind of straight news. It's called justthenews.com. Uh, I think conservatives kind of more or less run it, but they really play it pretty fair. They play it down the, uh, down the middle. Uh, interesting article, fact-based fact uh, fact article, commenting on an analysis from Axios of all of all of all outlets that of the forty nine point six million dollars the Abrams campaign has raised to put her in the governor's mansion. Of course, this is the woman I think that said uh, what was her comment a couple of weeks ago? Uh, Georgia's the worst place in the country, or something like that. Probably probably not a good way to make your way to the governor's mansion by uh, insulting your state. I don't think that that's uh, that's not one mistake uh, Mark Ronchetti is going to make. I think uh, just seven million dollars of that fifty million dollar kitty, forty nine point six to be precise came from donors within Georgia. So that amounts to about 14% of her total take. Uh, that uh, is pretty, 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 pretty pathetic. The incumbent, the evil Republican Brian Kemp, because we know that all Republicans are evil, he raised uh, 26.2 million of his total 31.5 million from within the state, about 83% of his total haul. So it looks like Brian Kemp not getting a lot from uh, McLean, Virginia, uh, Manhattan, and uh, and Malibu. It's it's kind of kind of shocking there. Both candidates, of course, as as all candidates do, receive out of state donations, but her percentage far surpasses Kemp. Sixteen point six million of uh, Stacey Abrams, the most uh, impressive, wonderful woman on earth, uh, came from Democratic strongholds, California and Washington alone. That is uh, pretty 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 interesting. Abrams raised a considerable sum of six point seven million in unitemized donations, many of which likely came from Georgia and would boost uh, her ratio uh, if counted. That's an excellent, excellent point. Kemp and Abrams last faced off in 2018, a contest in which the incumbent or current incumbent engaged, emerged triumphant after a protracted ballot counting process. Uh, remember, uh, uh, elections are always free and fair unless you're a Democrat who loses an election and then you can file suit to make all sorts of claims uh, and you have all kinds of credibility if you're a Republican. Remember, this is the non-Republican saying this, but the hypocrisy uh, has not gone unnoticed to uh, to this researcher. Georgia has since supported Democratic President Joe Biden and elected Democratic Senators John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. 
Uh, good news is that Stacey Abrams, the most amazing, wonderful uh, human being in the history of the world, uh, the woman who should really should be running the planet if Star Trek is to be believed, she's down a full seven points over uh, uh, Mr. Kemp. He's running a seven-point lead uh, over, over uh, Abrams. Ms. Abrams, the most important person, the most brilliant woman in the history of the world. So uh, all that money coming in from Malibu, <clears throat> not really helping a lot, is it? Not really helping a lot. Um, a couple calls down. Oh, uh, we do take uh, only if people tell me I'm doing a bad job. I will epro. I will not take any calls from anyone who praises me. Okay, so our first caller better know that. Uh, caller, you are in the Kiva fire away. Well, hello. This is Melvin. Hello. I was calling to say, uh, first of all, uh, when it comes to the question of doing a bad job. Okay. Uh. But what happens is, is if you're doing a bad job, everybody tunes out and you're left begging for callers. Ooh. So the fact that you have a caller states that you're doing an okay job. Whether you make people angry or not, or, uh, or, or agree with you, that is the, the beat. Because you have to have a, uh, a situation where you draw an emotion to make it worth making a call. Okay. Now, all right. Well, I, I, you know, it's, uh, can you argue with that? Really? You know, Fair I was enough. just kind of looking at the frivolity of it, frankly, uh, having heard my whole life that the guest host is always doing a wonderful job. I want to call her to tell me I'm doing a bad job. But uh, uh, all right. Insight, insight from our from our caller there, Mr. Mr. E. Uh, we, we have a number two or we got one more chance. To okay. I have, a, I have a, a second uh, item I wanted to comment. OK, fire away. Uh, when it comes when it comes to uh, your uh, your tariffs, et cetera, mm -hmm. I agree that it is. A bad idea to export tariffs or, or do tariffs, but I think we should implement something to make trade fair, and that is export bureaucrats. <laughs> I think that uh, all foreign plants selling products in the United States should be subject to the same bureaucracies as our domestic producers. Okay. Um, I think maybe we can reach some common ground there. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I can think of just names of people off the top of my head here in government in New Mexico, not just bureaucrats. I would say elected officials, uh, put them in a, a big tanker ship and just ship them toward China, you know, any help ship them toward any country, uh, Indonesia, the Philippines, we could send them to Brazil. Uh, as long as they're not here uh, making life hard for us. I, 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 exactly. I support that. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your call. Uh, we're going to go quickly to number two, and uh, and hopefully this caller will tell me I'm doing a terrible job. Fire away, caller. Go ahead, caller. Oh, Eric, Eric, I was I got all excited. I thought they were going to tell me I'm doing a bad job. This thing I've lived for my whole life. I've been doing radio for since 1996. I want to hear how bad I am. Nothing? Nothing? Sounds like they just hung up. Dang. All right, folks, we are running out of time. 505-266-1600. 505-266-1600. I got to hear. I just got to hear. I got to hear what the bad, bad job I'm doing. Um, I, I think the good news, Eric, and I think we both can attest to this, is that Mr. Aragon, we've received no real-time show notes, no angry phone calls, no angry texts. Uh, this is this is Eddie's baby, okay? <laughs> this is this is not corporate radio. This is, Rock of Talk is owned by one Edward Aragon. Uh, he's been doing this for what over a decade now. Uh, he takes things very seriously and very personally, as well he should because it's his business. Uh, I see nothing. In fact, I will take out my my phone, the phone that Eddie gave me, because if it wasn't for Eddie, I, I wouldn't have a phone. 
Uh, do you see any 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 text there at all? Uh, nothing at all. Nothing at all. So uh, uh, the the customer who matters most today, I think, <laughs> seems to be in a, in a good mood. Um, so that that was good. And I appreciate uh, appreciate all your input, uh, in, input folks. We've I've gotten a couple of emails through the through the show uh, as well. Uh, and uh, I will as we run out of time, I will take a, a moment to say super super duper 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 thanks uh, to uh, to to. Uh, the, our subscribers, uh, our subscribers at only uh, 20 cents a day. Uh, we, we push out a lot of pride. Uh, Eric, you get over 60 pieces of original content a month if you're a subscriber. So the idea that this is some little mimeographed uh, uh, newsletter that comes to you with a, a staple in it. No, 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 no. In your, in your inbox, 60 pieces of original content a month. Uh, Rock of Talk to chat, but I will, I will uh, kiss the owner's uh, posterior a little. I mean, Eddie, Eddie built that website and just sort of handed it to me. So uh, it, it would not have happened as I'm always telling Eddie, I'm the world's worst networker. I'm the world's worst marketer. I'm the world's worst businessman. Uh, and in terms of my relationship with this media outlet, uh, Eddie has to really walk point on that because I'm, you know, I'm up at 1.30 in the morning looking up the history of the Interstate Commerce Commission. Uh, you're looking up some obscure, I'm working on Baker v. Carr. I'm sure a decision you know a lot about uh, Eric, back in 1962, the whole uh, uh, apportionment uh, of, of uh, state legislatures. Uh, it was a Supreme Court decision in 62, because now that Clarence Thomas says there are some other decisions we should start to uh, revisit. I'm looking at the good old days when state legislatures had districts, for example, in New Mexico might have had one senator per county, regardless of how big your county was. So you could have Bernalillo with 600,000 plus and you could have Harding with 459 people in it and it had the same level of representation in the state Senate. And what happened in the 1960s is the U.S. Supreme Court said, and this is just imagine the enormity of this hypocrisy, folks. The Supreme Court said, we're not going to touch the U.S. Senate. So Wyoming is still going to have the same number of senators as California and Rhode Island is still going to have the same numbers of senators as Texas. But at the state level, you can't do that anymore. Every district has to have equal number number of constituents. And they had a series of decisions on this. I think if we went back to letting the legislatures determine their own districts and not necessarily one man, one vote, for example, in the House, you could have uh, equal member, you know, equal constituent districts. But in the Senate, if we went back to say uh, one senator per county, we'd have 33 senators because there's 33 counties in New Mexico. Um, so I'm working on that kind of stuff. That, that, that's what I'm working on, folks. I can't do the business side. I can't, I can't build a website and, and deal with Substack like Eddie did to create this. Uh, that's, uh, that's what Eddie's here for because he is a, a born entrepreneur. Uh, we do have a caller, uh, I'm, I'm told, uh, by Eric, producer Eric, who's going to come in. And I'm really, I'm really hoping going to give, just let me know everything I've done wrong today. Caller, go ahead. You're in the Kiva. Oh, great job, Dowd. I'm uh, on my way back, and I uh, just want to say I've been listening all the way through, and uh, I'm not your caller that you're looking for. <laughs> uh, i got to say, uh, I'll tell you what, it really shows that you've been doing talk radio for as long as you have. I'm literally sitting on the plane on 104-degree heat, which the heat index is 112, coming home from Dallas, so it's pretty hot. But i got to say, it's it's great stuff. Great job. I mean, it's, I don't even know what else to say. So I appreciate you stepping it up and stepping it in. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay out of the uh, office there until further notice. Ah. So, <laughs> uh, that means a lot for, for from you, Mr. Aragon, because one of the things people talk about how little Eddie and I have in common, one of the things we absolutely have in common is we are hard to please. 
And uh, when you get a compliment from Eddie, you you write when you get a compliment from me, you write down the day and time. Uh, and uh, well, you know, Eddie, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to keep the seat warm till the, the main man comes back. We've had a lot of good feedback from folks throughout the show. A couple of drop callers, but I'm getting a bunch of a bunch of emails from folks and uh, hopefully been entertaining and enlightening at the same time. I think you need to be on. I don't know. Can you still hear me? Yep. You're good. Okay. Yeah. So I could tell you that one of the things that um, you need to do is you need to have your own. Your own show. Well, here comes the Overcom Intercom lady. I will see you tomorrow. Sir, sir, put your mask on, sir. Sir. <laughs> Thank you, sir. We'll talk tomorrow. <laughs> well, that, okay, that's the caller of the day. You know, we do talk about the caller of the day and the text of the day. We got uh, one more if you want to take him. Oh, okay. Now, finally, can I get, can I hear what I want to hear, folks? Caller, you're in the Kiva. Go ahead. Man, you suck so good. My tires are flat. I think I need to go to JJ's and get my Halston's replaced. Okay. You were looking for somebody to try to rip you up. Here I am doing a satirical thing. <laughs> please, please tell me how bad I am. Actually, I didn't hear most of the show today, <laughs> which is unfortunate because ordinarily I know you left on your own. You do really darn good. <laughs> uh, but, Dictionary uh, Dave, in, in the improv world, I, I study comedy because I, I, I'm not that funny a person, but I, I appreciate the hard work that comedians do. Uh, improv is part of that. In improv, it's yes and. So what, what I need from you is, oh my God, this is the worst one I've heard yet. I mean, you guys do a lot of bad shows in the Kiva, <laughs> but let me tell you, this is the stinker of all time. Can I get something like that from you? Yes, and Eddie normally does a really good show all the time. Okay. Sometimes he falls flat on his face. You, uh, you're always flat on your face. So anything else you can do whatever, would always be an improvement. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. He's, he's getting a little creative with it. Yeah, you know, that's our dictionary, Dave. All right. What do you have for us today? Yeah. We're running out of time, Mr. Man. Uh, if you want to learn comedy, I grew up watching MASH, the early version. Oh, oh, hilarious. And Alan Alda's uh, Sense of Satirical and all that is something I grew up with throughout my life. And when somebody would say something stupid, I would always be able to lash out at them and they would be standing there going, bye. <laughs> Thank you, Dictionary Dave. I, I, uh, yeah. I, I will, uh, I will attest to uh, the brilliance of the early mash, not the preachy mash, okay? Because we don't like the preachy mash. Uh, the, when, when, when Alan Alda got, when, whenever the star gets a producer credit, usually around like season six, seven, eight, they're going, no, you do not want that. Uh, the great Larry Linville, uh, Frank Burns. Uh, I, I think I used it. Uh, I used it in a, uh, a Daily Blast quote a couple months ago, Eric. It was only if we all surrender our autonomy, only if we all conform perfectly to our leaders, only then can we secure our liberty, right? I think that was, right. <laughs> that was, that was one of them. Uh, the, the, the brilliance, the absolute brilliance uh, of Frank Burns. Yeah, I'm usually listening to, the, to Eddie's show while I'm watching MASH on silence. Well, and you know, the funny thing is I, I, I cut the cord and I, I am not being dishonest. I, I genuinely cut the cord. Uh, and, uh, I, I have not had cable in, uh, oh boy, maybe, maybe two and a half years. Um, and I flip around on the free channels and they, it's funny cause there's a lot of good older TV on some of those networks. Um, one of them's called heroes and icons. One of them's called decades. There's another one. And I was flipping around on, um, 
the one of the comedy ones the other night, and it was kind of one of the early season cheers. And just nothing woke. Uh, they also do about the Bob Newhart, the, not Newhart, but the Bob Newhart show before Newhart. Nothing woke. Every joke hits. Brilliant writing. Terrific casting with the various quirky characters. Um, and it was the, t the episode where, where Diane's former boyfriend comes back and he's the Mr. Adventure guy and he flies planes and he fakes his own death and he's up flying Sam and Diane around. And it just, it just takes you back. I feel like an old man. I feel like an old man. I feel like an old man. And maybe I am an old man coming next month. But um, I have declared my autonomy from modern entertainment. I watch Succession on HBO. That is the only first run television show I watch. It's very dark, a lot of dark humor, a lot of inappropriate stuff, a family, everyone maneuvering to control the media empire in the family. I watch exactly one show, Succession on HBO. I don't watch anything else. I don't know anything about what's going on currently in television. If you said, what are the top five sitcoms right now? What are the top five dramas uh, in the networks or streaming? I would not know. I have walked away. It's one of the best decisions I have ever made. Caller back? No caller back. All right, we heard something. Um, folks, we are desperately out of time and i just want to thank you all for staying uh with me today high praise from the man himself who was uh, rather high at thirty-five thousand feet uh listening and i'm sure a very very nasty nasty flight attendant uh came along and um and uh, said something mean to mr aragon they're not really what they were in the 50s and 60s anymore are they uh they're very angry gay men and very very old uh women i, I found uh they're it's not a great group of people and i'm not a good flyer but it seems to me if you're easily offended, if you're angry, if you're snippy, don't go into a profession that where you're going to be crammed into a sardine, where you're going to have to deal with people all day, where there might be screaming babies, when there might be, uh, you know, people coughing through the whole flight and might be some rich guy demanding special service in first class. Can we start hiring a better, you know, I feel for the people, I feel for them. It's, you know, the, 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 the travel industry is, is a high stress industry, but boy, we just don't seem to have a lot of good people. Um, in that uh, in that world anymore, I'm not going to say anything more because I'm probably already uh, generating a lot of uh, hateful thoughts out there and in, in listener land. Uh, but I will I, I will uh, express my gratitude, folks, for staying with us. Uh, and again, I started to get into it with the uh, with the subscribers. We're moving toward a media model. Those of us who are grounded in reality, those of us who are grounded in facts, those of us who are grounded in trying to maintain Western civilization. That sounds very uh, drama queeny uh, myself, and I, I fight drama queenery. But uh, things are very bleak uh, on, on, in much of the planet Earth these days. The fact that people are so easily offended, the fact that people are so easily triggered, the fact that powerful forces, big media, big tech, are simply not permitting uh, what used to be acceptable voices to, 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 to be heard, whether it's writing, whether it's uh, the sound of my voice, whether it's the TV, uh, uh, rockoftalk.tv right now that some of your, my, my, my blessed mother in Connecticut is watching me on. Uh, we can't do it. We can't do it without all of you. You people patronize our advertisers. You people subscribe. You keep us uh, in business. I can't think of a media outlet in the state of New Mexico right now that I can th and I can think of that is going to tell you what we tell you, the kind of facts that we bring to you, the perspective, uh, the fact that if you want to call in and disagree with us, you can call in and disagree. Do you think Source New Mexico, all the uh, soy boys and uh, Karens, at, uh, lefties at Source New Mexico will ever uh, allow an op-ed to be printed that disagrees with the woke agenda? Of course not. No chance. Uh, we allow that here. We still believe in free speech here in the Kiva. And it is a testament, frankly, without being too sycophantic. It is a testament to uh, to one man's vision 
Uh, and if that man were to ever leave the media landscape in New Mexico, I, I shudder to think, um, you know, there'd be probably a couple of blogs here and there, but uh, maybe a couple of very low rated podcasts here. There are people trying to put something up on YouTube, but it would not be much. Uh, we have a battleship here. Uh, it exists on multiple levels. Our daily broadcast, you don't have to pay anything. You can hear over the air. And then, of course, the, the 37 different ways you can connect with us online. And then the subscription service, rockoftalk.chat, where you get all of my original reporting. Going to have an interesting article tomorrow uh, about the semiconductor industry, uh, particularly in light of the fact that we have a one of the big semiconductor manufacturers here is, is here in New Mexico. It doesn't quite have the employment it used to about 20 years ago. I think they had over 5,000 employees and they're, they're, they just recently decided they were going to bring some more people on and they were going to get us up to half of where we were 20 years ago. Half of where we were uh, 20 years ago. But you're not going to see that kind of stuff. You're not going to read that kind of stuff. You're not going to hear about that kind of stuff. It's a pretty bleak media landscape here in the land of enchantment. I, uh, I'm i sorry to say, uh, but there are a few bright spots. We kind of think of ourselves as the brightest bright spot, maybe the star uh, in, in this particular solar system, uh, bringing, uh, bringing our message and our thoughts and our research and our analysis to you. But again, can't do it. Can't do it without you. Uh, I was at, uh, at a restaurant a couple months back and uh, someone came by. I don't know how they recognized me, but they said, uh, we patronize your advertisers and we tell them when we go to your advertisers that we're here because we heard you on the Rock of Talk. So it's not enough from this person's perspective to simply patronize uh, Monroe's and the Candy Lady and so many other billion advertisers I could say right now. And I'm no way I'll be able to think of all of them, but let them know, go to their establishments and let them know. And of course, um, subscribe to rockoftalk.chat. Uh, Epro, I think we did it, brother. I mean, three hours. Three hours. We did no, it. No problem. You did You did it, Dad. Did Thanks it. to you. <laughs> uh, Mr. Aragon, of course, coming back tomorrow. Uh, for We will resume regular order. Uh, you heard him on the plane. Uh, that plane will land safely at the Sunport soon. And uh, we'll be back. Rock of Talk coming back tomorrow for our regular program. Thanks for staying with us for the show this afternoon, folks. Uh, have a good evening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. In the summertime, when the weather is hot, you can stretch right up and touch the sky. When the weather's fine, you got women, you got women on your mind. Have a drink, have a drive, go out and see what you can find. If a daddy's rich, take her out for a meal. If a daddy's poor, just do what you feel. Speed along the lane, you can down or return to 25. The sun goes down, you can make it, make it good and live by. When I get people, when I tell you, when I mean, we love everybody, but we do as we please. When the weather's fine, we go fishing or go sailing in the sea. We're always happy, last we live in here, that's our philosophy. Sing along with us, diddy, 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 da 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 da, yeah, we're happy.